dominate. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Nobody is going to take this away from me. All right, everybody, we are talking about last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. And surprise, I wanted to, I wanted to be like John, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like John Moxley. Surprise, motherfuckers. We have Ashley Mann here <laughs> to talk about last night's Dynamite, a momentous Dynamite, a, a positive Dynamite, hopefully. And uh, and I'm, I'm really happy to have you selfishly, Ashley, because I feel like, we were just talking about it last week. I was so I was so negative, like rightfully so, but so negative. And I feel like you put a positive spin on a lot of this stuff. I think you just have a way more positive outlook on life itself. So I'm happy to have you back. And maybe, and you know what? There's a lot of a lot of good stuff to talk about on this week. So I'm excited to get into it. But first and foremost, what did you think? How are you? Welcome back. Plug your show at the beginning. We'll plug it at the end again. Let's get all of that going. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that introduction. You're you're so great. You're such a natural at all this. Like, you, you're you're too nice to me. But uh, yes, I'm so happy to be back too. And I'm I'm happy we like I said earlier. I'm happy we were able to get together for what ended up being like a a big show. Like if you if you look at it like return wise and and, and star power wise. So uh, it, it's cool to actually like get in and talk to you about. So thank you so much for having me back. But yeah, and thanks for letting me plug the pod. Um, I, I do my own little thing, you know, on, on the side here. It's called a kick-ass podcast. Um, someone had, had said that phrase to me, like, that, like, it was in a completely different context, not really important, but that name, so it kind of just stuck with me. So, yeah, that's, I, I record maybe at least one episode a week. I try to maybe do a little bit more here and there when time allows. But, yeah, just just feel free to listen to me there. But I, I selfishly love coming on here with you, Mimi, because it, it's fun to talk to another human being too, you know what I mean, and, and kind of BS around uh, all this. And I'm going to try to edit myself so you don't have to do too much editing. That. But I love, the way you, I love the way you started off the show there. Yeah, that one's easy. That's an easy blur. So, yeah. what, just, so, so people know, obviously, kicking ash, so I assume we're talking about – Something combat form. Yes, yes. All It'd be really awkward which... if it was like a culinary podcast. Right, right. We're like a, a positive vibe <laughs> show and all that. Yeah, no, it's 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 not. Um, and it's I'm pretty it's explicit, so I don't have to do any editing or anything like that. So I'm I'm kind of lazy when it comes to that. So <laughs> props to you. But yeah, it's it's all about wrestling. Um, and I was actually kind of looking back on it. The majority of the shows have been like predominantly AEW focused, which I, I kind of exactly. And I was kind of thinking back on it and it's it's pretty telling, for, at least for me and, and not to get off too much here on a tangent. But like I to me growing up, wrestling was just WWE like for the longest time. Like I knew WCW and that, but I didn't really know like anything else existed until TNA ended up on my TV screen randomly. But to see like the disconnect that I have with them now and just the love for AEW, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and again, like I'm just kind of selfishly thankful that we have AEW for me because I mean, I don't know how to not watch wrestling, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'm mm -hmm. sure I would I'd still always watch WWE um, in, in some regard, um, maybe certain shows I will avoid. But um, yeah, it's just weird. AEW is just something that we just so desperately needed and i'm just so happy we have it even when we have crappy shows like last week um you know it, it's still light years better than other shows i will say 
Yeah, I think it's crappy because we hold it to a higher standard, and I think that's what I tried to tried to yeah. get across last week too. So I, I hear you. It's so funny. I I yes, this is what I was saying. You're already getting us off on them. I'm already feeling more positive about AEW <laughs> as a whole. Um, but like I, I I agree. I think very rarely can I tune into anything WWE. I'm gonna watch the Royal Rumble. I love the Royal Rumble. Everybody watches the Royal Rumble. Like it's yeah. just such a good time. But even the way they're doing it this year, it's like how do you how do you ruin the Royal Rumble? Oh, I don't know. You announce everybody before. Like it's just like, yeah. the one thing that we love about the Royal Rumble. But anyways, I totally totally agree with that. And I um and I watch it for Charlotte Flair pretty much. That's that's about it. And you know what? Even she isn't like not great form lately so very very few things get me to actually turn on the the wwe product nowadays but yeah you're right i i I forget i don't know what i would be doing without having some kind of wrestling to watch like gcw is about like the only other thing because i don't know i don't watch maybe i'd get into impact probably not um (laughs) like as much as as much as i love mickey james too i really wish i really wish i had the time for that but um or the attention i don't know the interest but um yeah, besides AEW, and, like, I feel like, look what AEW is doing for the landscape, too. Not just AEW, but, you know, we got the show with John Moxley coming up defending the GCW t- title. And the Amherst, I always mispronounce the name. Amherstein? The Hammerstein Am- 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 Ballroom. All right, good, I got Amherstein Ballroom. Like, yeah. that's incredible. That's unbelievable for, for a show and for an indie promotion that's their biggest show <laughs> yet. Uh, and, uh, and obviously sad with Ring of Honor, what was happening with Ring of Honor, but even maybe Impact, mm-hmm. I think, had more than its regular 200,000 viewers. Uh, so, so <laughs> AEW is definitely doing more and more for the pro wrestling world as a whole, and obviously with the pandemic pending. But, uh, but I love, I love the, you already got me in a more positive mood going into this show. So oh, I well, appreciate I'm happy. That. That's the goal. That's the goal. I don't know if but, you're yeah. going to get that show, too, that GCW show. I don't know how much you're in, into all of that stuff. I don't know. We never talked about it. I, if you're really into the gory stuff, but uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I was about to do it again, but I don't want to have to go back and edit. I guess I'm a sick, you know what? I don't mind that stuff. Like, I feel like I'm almost so desensitized at this point, but, uh, but I definitely am going to tune in for that pay-per-view, so not to get too off track. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I don't. Put it this way, like, I never really knew until I saw, like, my first, like, really, like, you know, like, uh, clips of from, like, a, a deathmatch type thing on YouTube. Because I, for the longest time, I just didn't really seek it out. Not that I avoided it. I was just like, you know, whatever. It's because to me, like, it, I'm not going to say it wasn't wrestling, but, like, it didn't really grab my attention at first until, like, I actually devoted time to, like, watch it and, and kind of understand, like, the psychology that is, is behind that and, like, a, a weird and in, in its own like kind of beautiful way in itself mm. but yeah so like that's kind of how like i watched like a couple documentaries on like uh G- not gcw specifically but like that had brett lauderdale in it. and i think that one that was on um vice oh dark side of the ring with uh nick gage like that kind of like such really, a great documentary yeah yeah that kind of like really opened my eyes and kind of got me like really intrigued so i'm so I'm, I'm very happy for them and i'm happy that they ended up selling out the the, the hammerstein ballroom before they even like announced the full card itself um and yeah just just for them as a company like i hope some people have said that they're slowly moving into possibly like the number three spot uh wrestling company ranking wise um which i don't know i don't know about all that but they're definitely a solid four you know if not that number three but yeah i i I haven't ordered a pay-per-view from them in the past but i will most likely be ordering this one yeah and yeah i that gore stuff doesn't bother me at all yeah, and I mean, I've seen, I 
This, uh, some matches I feel are better than others, but I it's it's just yeah. cool, like you said, moving in the number four spot, and then like think about I hope eventually in in my area there's not maybe if I went more in New York area, but where I'm from, like there's not a lot of you're not going to be able to go to a lot of indie shows, but um. I will say that that which is funny because I live really near the WWE Capitol. But anyways, not to like give away my location. But um, they uh, the <laughs> I was thinking about you know I had that awesome interview with um that interview wasn't awesome not to put myself over but that wh- I she was really awesome Raina Cruz the girl oh the yeah who, it was you did a very good job I appreciate that but the the woman who did the uh, she did obviously for anybody who doesn't know the guest uh, ring announcing <laughs> at SummerSlam. For the, I think it was, was it the Big E match? No. I forget what match it was for. But it was for the pre-show on SummerSlam. And she is like an aspiring ring announcer. So what a cool perspective to hear from. And, and I'm sure if you search down and scroll down this feed, if you are still interested. I mean, it still works timely, I guess. Uh, but you can check that out. And and yeah. besides just like aspiring professional wrestlers, uh, it makes me think about people like Raina Cruz, who is like a res- aspiring ring announcer. Where is she going to go get her practice? You know what I mean? Uh, not mm-hmm. practice. That's not what I mean. Where is she going to go get reps, essentially? Get Just re- like yeah, a, yeah. a professional wrestler would have to, you know, if they don't have all these, if the indie scene isn't isn't what it is or what it was a couple of years ago. You know, referees, people who just like the other people who who it takes to bring uh, commentators, people who it takes to put together, like put all this stuff together. Where are they going to go and get their reps um, just besides the professional wrestlers? We were talking about that for some reason the other night randomly. And um, and it sounds like little by little, too, uh, there the, the indie scene again, pandemic pending is, is opening up more and more. And so I'm excited to hopefully be able to go uh, to a couple shows around the New York area. I know she said if you guys are in the California area, that that's a big area, uh, Southern California area. <laughs> she does shows around there. So you should definitely try to seek her out and see if uh, you can go on any shows she's ring announcing at. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter too. We're, we're supporters here at Raina Cruz. Rain, rain. It's rain. I'm like we're supporters, and I can't even remember how to pronounce her first name. Um, but she was awesome, and so so yeah, it's, it's exciting. Again, totally off track, but I, it is. You got you got me excited about professional wrestling after last week was such a crappy show. So I appreciate that. Well, uh, it's what I'm here for, Mimi. It's what I'm here for. You know, you kick ash is what you do. Um, <laughs> I'm here for your dad jokes and your bad puns. All right, <laughs> yes, let's get into let's get into this episode of Dynamite because it started off with probably uh, one of my favorite segments ever, and uh, and I'm not going to do it justice by trying to repeat anything he he said. If you haven't seen this, it's on YouTube. If you don't want to go back and watch the whole show, uh, it's on AEW's YouTube channel. Go check this out. Just even if you don't watch the rest of the show, just make sure you go check this out because John Moxley. If you hadn't heard, if you were living under a rock, made his return and cut this amazing promo where he managed to be, you know, the man John and like the wrestler John Moxley. I think it's John Good- Goodman. Uh, I think it's just good, John Good. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> right. Right. You managed to be John Good and John Moxley and have the return of John Good and John Moxley all at the same time. There's nobody better who ties real life stuff in so so well without crossing the line, I guess. Which, if, if you know, subjectively, I guess, because some people don't think there is a line to cross, and some people think, you know, the line is, I don't know, very sensitive, I guess. And uh, But he does such a good job of, of, of mixing the two things and really making this whole thing feel real. And that line he puts at the end, you know, to, to put over the fact that he's obviously sober now, but without saying, hey, guys, I'm sober now, 
uh, but also I'm John Moxley and I'm back, right? I'm more dangerous than ever. And all I drink is I only drink. What do you say? I only drink blood. The only thing I drink nowadays is blood. Like what a cool thing! First of all, that's cooler than the last. I'm gonna have to edit this because I'm gonna. I, it's it's cooler when he said bitch af, right? Like the only person yeah. who's ever made that cool is John Moxley, <laughs> and yes. um, and and this this whole thing got me. I was telling you before too. Chills everywhere. Emotional, like, like. He talks about the demon and his dream, the dark cloud above him. Like, we can all really... Everybody, I don't care who you are, you unless you're normal Spongebob, right? Like, you've you've had something in your life you've had to deal with, at least one something. thing. And we say, we've all... every Like, my mom always says that. Everybody's got something. She doesn't say mm-hmm. that, that she says it really well and with correct grammar because she's an English <laughs> major. But everybody has something. And, um, and that was really what John Moxley was saying in a way more you know, hardcore way, just stop myself there again, in a way more hardcore way, was everybody has something, we all got demons, and, uh, and I just kicked mine in, in the rear end, um, so this made me all kinds of emotional, uh, I'm really glad AEW just let this be what it was, really a throwback to the CM Punk thing, I thought, but obviously, like, a much more serious topic, but he just did such a wonderful way, and, like, screw that guy. You know what I mean? We were talking about beforehand, too. Screw that guy. It just, why do you pay money yeah. to go and, like, you know what? You just missed out on a really awesome show, probably. So, uh, and John Moxley is hilarious. And I love, we were talking about, too, they didn't even try to do the Kevin Dunn blackout. Like, they just, they just let, they just let the F-bomb be dropped on CBS television. Second week, John Moxley, you're only on CBS Dynamite for two weeks, and you're right. already dropping the F-bomb. Uh, but I, this was one of my favorite segments of Dynamite ever. Uh, of course, I want to hear everything you have to say about it as well. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you a thousand percent on this one. And I I love how Tony, when it's a big moment and a big deal, like it opens the show. Now, I say that more so with like the promos and stuff like that, because part of me, especially the past couple weeks, like I've been like with the, the hangman page and the Brian Danielson matches, both opening the shows. Um, like in retrospect, it, it obviously makes sense, but to me, like it was always just like kind of interesting and, and just stood out how like the main event is always the first thing. Um, but I think stuff like this, like it's, it's smart to open the show with it, you know, and, and especially cause you want to make sure he, he gets the, uh, the amount of time that he wants and, and rightfully deserves, you know, I mean, they're so good about cramming stuff into a two hour show. So it's, it's, you know, pretty much just the equivalent to an opening match time-wise. So I just think that that was obviously like a, a smart and a well-deserved placement for, for him to come out and instead of holding it off till later on or like the main event, but man, like. Just seeing him, this, the first time I saw him, because I started the show a little bit late, so I was trying to avoid everything until I got to my DVR. Um, and side note, Sling, like, the whole point of recording a show is so when you hit play, it starts from the beginning, not live. So, like, luckily, like, I was, it started mid-match for, like, the opening match, the opening tag match. But I'm like, yo, like, if it, it had been, like, a major debut or return or something like that, like, something surprising, like, Sling would have completely, like, just spoiled it all for me. So I was a little irritated. But, and, and another side note, did you see him chuck that water bottle when he was in the audience? Like, how hard he threw that water bottle? I thought like, I was like, like y- you know what? Yeah, like, he comes out or whatever. <laughs> I'll just never forget. I think it was double or nothing. He grabbed someone's beer or something and drank it and, like, threw it at somebody. And obviously, with that not occurring yeah. anymore, right? Like, yeah. he just, like, uh, he's just like, yeah, this is my, I drink water now. Like, John Moxley literally could start his own water line. 
Have you ever seen it? Have you seen that liquid death thing going around? I don't know what that is. Yeah. But it sounds yeah. like cool people water from what I'm understanding. I think John Moxley could literally but... have like, like he could call it blood water. Or you could yeah. just call it water. He could literally just call it maybe, you know, you know what, AF water. Um, <laughs> yes. He's so, how do you make throwing water cool? I just yeah, don't understand. And, and like the, the speed and like just the, the power that he <laughs> chucked that water bottle. I was like, yo, I hope, I hope who, yes, I hope whoever was on the other side was paying attention because if they weren't, like they just got like, they're probably bruised. But that just stood me for water. Yeah, yeah. But like I and I'm I'm like we spoke about before, like he physically looks like and that was like the, the main thing that really stood out to me before he even got to his promo was like physically how good he looks. Like he legit looks ten at least ten years younger. Mm-hmm. And it's been what, two months? Has it, like two months, three months? Yeah, I mean it's crazy. October, what... I think. Yeah, it's crazy mm-hmm. what it'll do. Like how quickly that all that all yeah. that bloat can just go away. Yeah, but I mean, so all all that kind of to the side. Um, we get to the point. But he the the promo itself, like you said, like I'm not even gonna try to do it justice. Like you just have to go out and and watch it. But seeing him and and the way he can tell a story without being so blunt, like. He never even said, like, I defeated alcohol or I went to rehab. Like, he never said, like, those specific words. And just hearing how he can still lay out a story and, like, you know what he's talking about. Like, it's just so well done. So I'm, I'm stoked he's back. I'm kind of surprised in a way that his first match back is going to be on Rampage against Ethan Page. Uh, I guess even though Rampage is live, it's, I don't know, I was still kind of just surprised by that. Uh, what do you think about a then maybe i'm jumping the gun there a little i have bit, a but... theory about that i could be wrong but i think <laughs> our i think our our good friend tony khan over here needed to flex like you know like you know what measuring contest and say you know but john mm-hmm. moxley is our guy so you can't have him debut back in gcw so we're gonna put him on a match on rampage with ethan page don't get me wrong i think ethan page when mm. like in so objectively is probably a really good opponent for him in this moment because he's He's an, he's a, you know what, he's a prick, you know what I mean, he's a jerk, he's like, um, he's gonna play the role perfectly, I just think of more of Ethan Page, so, but I assume, yeah, me too, he's more of a pretty Peter Avalon kind of character, um, but, uh, I think that's really what it was, it was GCW, you can have him for the main event, but John Moxley's our guy, and you know what, power to Tony Khan, he probably pays this guy a crap ton of money, and, um, and to have him return, you'd, I'd want him to return on my <laughs> show first, I'd want to see him wrestle back on my show first and be able to say that, uh, if he's really contracted under AEW, so it makes sense. I think that's why it feels very squeezed in, because you know, with that um, pay per view coming up, and is, is it this yeah. weekend, a couple weekends. And that's what I was. That's what I was just about to look up and see if if it was this weekend. It makes total sense. I guess I could have looked it up on Twitter. That probably would have been easier. No, it's, I, I think. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think I think it that would 123, be twenty twenty three. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why, really, I think that's why this was announced that so makes sense. last minute. Yeah, I didn't realize you know it was I mean? this weekend. I assume I you know we don't know the inner workings or anything that that's my guess though, I think yeah, they're gonna make the sense. most of it and then we're gonna get him back to you know he's also a new father so uh, so I assume that's gonna take a lot of precedent too but I can speak um, let me let me put it this way when when you're oh well, I'll put it this way this personal story it's a quick sidetrack right so when I stopped drinking a while ago and when I stopped drinking all of a sudden I picked up cigarettes. And you got, you, we well documented, right? Like this quitting of cigarettes and thank God we're all done. No nicotine and all that stuff as of now, or now at least for, for a couple months now. But when I, I stopped doing anything else, right? 
picked up cigarettes. I had never smoked cigarettes before, even while I was drinking ever, really. It wasn't my thing. Because when you put down one thing that makes you feel good in some kind of way, or bad, or whatever you want to call it, you kind of, as it's like human nature to fill that whatever with something else. And so mm-hmm. at least that's my explanation. So I have a feeling right now we're doing this. He's John Moxley has admitted in documentaries and all this stuff. And, and uh, my fiance actually bought his book too, which by the way, somehow John Moxley makes reading cool too. Not that reading Dude, isn't cool. Yeah. I feel like Chad Gable, don't boo education, which is like such a dime piece. And, and all of the ruffle of a, a, that WWE is now Chad Gable. Again, sidetrack, but like uh, John, Ma- I have a feeling he's talked about how this is like a drug to him, right? This is like a, a the feeling he gets, the adrenaline, the crowd, all that stuff. So my guess is, and I don't mean to compare his, this John Moxley, we could not see him for a couple of weeks. I don't know what goes on in his head. This is just my experience, right? He might want that feeling a bunch. I mean, he's going to wrestling in GCW, right? His like technically his real big first match back is the main event of a GCW show. I assume the guy wants to feel that feeling of the adrenaline, the way your body goes when you're in all that pain and all those those like outward scars and stuff. I assume he wants that feeling again because it's been so long since he's been able to have it. And, you know, now he's going to feel it tenfold. You know, no no, nothing or whatever to block that. So I, I'm, yeah. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of John Moxley lately, and, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited for him too. I'm excited to see John Moxley what, where he feels at his best now, you know? I don't know if that yeah. made sense or I dictated that well. I, I, that's like tr- I got We got to tread carefully with all this stuff because because of you know the world today. Yeah. But I do think um, I think it's going to be really cool to see like what he said in his promo. If you thought he was dangerous before, wait till we see this version of John Moxley. Exactly, and that that's obviously like what it, like you just said. I'm, I'm most looking forward to most, but everything yeah, everything you said makes absolute and, and complete sense, and I think the. The key thing too, and and I am I think I'm like maybe two chapters away from finishing the book. Um, actually, yeah, I'm thinking about oh, so that. Oh, you know how like, cool the book looks. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah went through that book almost. Like <laughs> it's 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 hard to put down. It's it's one of those, and I I enjoy reading. I'm not gonna say like I'm like the number one book lover out there, but like I enjoy reading. You know, like I like you said, like I don't. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just one of those like weird people out there, like what they whatever they call them. But yeah, so like, don't do education. I you know I'm, <laughs> a, I'm I'm all for some education, man. I I'm a nerd at heart, all that good stuff. So his book was like a no brainer, but it got me thinking because a lot of times in his book, especially you know, and it makes sense, right? Especially a decade ago, but they would go out to like the hotel bar or like a bar before they hit the next town or or whatever, and just like. I mean, and again, like I, none of us know any specifics and I personally don't really want to know specifics, but like, I can't like where I'm coming from is like, I can't even imagine like going through the rehab and everything like that. And then coming out and then being right back in that environment and just the strength it takes to, to come back and to be so strong, you know what I mean? And and just like, so excited and willing to go right back into what I'm sure is going to be, and I'm not saying anyone out there is going to like pressure him or anything like that, like like fellow employee wise, but you know, just like an innocent thing, if they go get dinner or something, you know, like so. I just feel like it's just so much credit to to him and like guys who have gone through, and and when I say guys, I mean like guys and girls mm-hmm. um, who have gone through stuff like that in the past. So I'm just I'm 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 so happy he's back and. I guess I'm happy he's back already, you know, like if he felt like it was time to come back, then, you know, who am I to say otherwise? But I'm I'm excited and I'm, 
I guess, more so excited, too, to see where this really takes him in AEW. Because we haven't seen Brian Danielson since he lost to Hangman Page either. So I wonder if they kind of go into a feud since Brian kind of took Mox's spot in a way. Or not necessarily took a spot, but I, I think the like, general consensus out there was that you know Mox was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they're not going to say that on TV, quote like that. But I, I wonder if that's where they go with Mox's like first actual feud back, or if they start with maybe something, you know, no disrespect, but like smaller, and then build back up to that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we we are starting with Ethan Page. I think he's definitely going to do that match in GCW. And I was I was going to say if he was a normal human being, right, he might need a little time to heal. But he's John Moxley, so right, um, <laughs> he'll be back next week. I don't I don't know. I think you know what we're going to do. We're going to play. We're going to pull up the AEW roster page uh mm-hmm. and and do our little do our little thing here. Uh the, due I, diligence. Exactly. As I do this though, I do want to quickly mention I, I feel like I feel like as a podcast as one of the very few pod I think the only wrestling podcast I know actually of two non any associate to actually professional wrestling like I'm just like Renee Paquette or whatever, but two female wrestling hosts. I don't know of another podcast that has that. I could be wrong, but I yeah. feel like it's as our as our uh, as that right. It's our job to to also mention like freaking Renee Paquette, like a real like a real you know I a, I can't swear anymore, a real bad you know what um because mm-hmm. like they right they just had I don't mean to get into his personal life but just having a newborn baby and then you know having to have your your significant other go away to take care of himself like i'm not saying she's like a saint or whatever but you got to be a real bad you know what to be able to handle mm-hmm. that like and um and and she's in the wrestling and not world. talk about it and, and not exactly that's why really like, she does that. her own yeah she does her own podcast like she talks for i don't want to say a living now but like that's one of her main things now is interviewing people she goes on like busted open a lot from time to time so she she is out in the limelight a lot, you know. It's not like she's just like chilling back and and not really, you know, like doing much like social media and like spotlight wise. Like she's out there and she didn't shy away from anything. And but at the same token too, like she didn't go out there and use it as like fodder and and something to get to gain attention and downloads and and stuff. <laughs> it's just like very tasteful stuff. Handled. I had to edit myself. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like she, I don't know. Like she's just. Such a, a bad, you know what, woman to to handle everything that she's had to deal with. And again, like I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna pretend to, to know her or anything. We all have our faults, but like I don't know, it's just it's just like reassuring, and it, it just shows you, like you know, like not to get all sappy, but like that's true love, man. Like that's love, like that's sticking by someone when they need you the most, and it's cool to see. And I think that's like for me personally, why and, and last night was so emotional and and so like like you said, it gave it gave me chills for the first time since Punk came back, um, wrestling wise. Like I don't know, it's just like so much goodness wrapped up into like one segment last night. Um, so it was just perfect. Yeah, it just had me thinking. I just got chills thinking about it again. Well, not to let's get off the serious stuff. Let's let's play a fun game. You know what we'll do? Who do we think John Moxley is going to be feuding with next, Ashley? There are uh, <laughs> there are 23 lines, I think, on the match. So pick a pick a number 1 through 23. Oh, 13. Okay, and then pick a number 1 through 4. You can think about it for a minute. 1 through 4? Mm-hmm. 3. All right, say so 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 3. No way! John Moxley's <laughs> next feud, Ashley is the oh, one, gosh. the only, Kenny Omega. 
<laughs> F out, bro. <laughs> what are the odds of that? That's amazing. See, you're welcome, guys. That's you're welcome. exactly. And Ashley is the one who manifested it. So to you're answer welcome. your question, I think he's feuding next with Kenny Omega. I mean, that's a that's a sure thing. I mean, how can he not at this point? It writes itself. You're oh, welcome, moving on Tony. down. I just um, saved you some time. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. You saved AEW some time, truthfully. Um, I was thinking yeah. about including the women in those lines, but I figured, you know what? Let's just let's let's we're going to talk about the uh, the mixed tag team match later on. So, um, mm-hmm. so we had MJF cutting a promo, a pretty much another perfect promo with Wardlow, and we haven't been able to talk about. I mean, it was going on a little bit, but not to this extent. Just the, the <clears throat> brilliance that is Wardlow's facial expressions uh, since this has been going on. But he talks about. Uh, CM Punk should have just stayed down and t- something about spinal stenosis. I don't know. They lost me. Um, uh, and basically he said, you know, Wardlow, you screwed up, but like, I'm sorry. I put my hands on you or, or I'm sorry. Uh, I got I yelled at you, but you put your hands on me. So he essentially, he went into Wardlow's birthday card, took the check out, scratched out the dollar amount and wrote a new lower dollar amount. He took Wardlow's birthday check from him. <laughs> it felt like birthday <laughs> bonus. And uh, then said that uh, Sean Spears is going to get the job done. Spoiler alert, Sean Spears wins the match with the roll-up in three seconds. So he absolutely does get the job done later on in the show. But uh, I I love this promo. Wardload's faces are just... Like, in this... Little by little, I feel like in each segment, it it increases a little bit more and more. Like, this time, he had, like, the... He really, like, kind of looked up and looked around to, like, really look at MJF. Like, did you, you just said that? You... Like, he just is like baffled by the stupidity that is this man with a scarf on. Um, so yes. I, I thought the segment was perfect. I'll throw it over to you too. And what do you, what are you thinking about the Wardlow? It's, it's coming the slow burn Wardlow turn. I, I mean, I, of course, and I can't wait. And I love how they're, like you said, the slow burn with it because and this is, I don't know why my brain works this way, but I was driving to work earlier this morning and I just randomly started thinking about that segment, the Wardlow did something we're talking about. And, and Wardlow specifically just chilling in the back. Like, cause to me, like, and I could be wrong, but like the main point of this whole segment was Wardlow, regardless of what MJF was saying. And the whole focus was, was Wardlow, like you said, his facial expressions. And I was thinking about that and, and, it just, in my mind, like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, who does he remind me of? And it hit me, and I could be way off, so feel free to, to call me out. But it reminded me of Batista right before they broke up and right before he ended up winning, like, the Royal Rumble. I think it was, and he was trying to make his decision. This was, like, I don't even know, 2003, four, mm-hmm. And he was trying to make his decision, and Triple H was pressuring him to go to SmackDown, so we didn't choose him, this whole thing. The thumbs and- down. Exactly. Yeah, but like during the weeks building up to it, like you would still see Batista kind of in the in the main frame of the shot, but kind of maybe a little towards the left. Mm-hmm. Um, but just enough so you could see him in his body language and just the way he would react to Triple H and especially like backstage, like like last night. Um, it just kind of stood out to me, and, and I don't necessarily see Wardlow a complete comparison for Batista, but for whatever reason, and maybe it was because my coffee hadn't kicked in yet. But this morning, like it just popped into my brain. Um. And I don't know, like, I just, I think, like, I'm a big Wardlow fan, and I, I like, mentioned earlier, I, I love the slow burn approach with probably the majority of, of things in wrestling, but this in particular, because it's cool to see how AEW allows multiple storylines to go on with one wrestler. 
right? Like MJF has obviously the stuff going on with Punk, but then he has everything going on with Warlow that's building. So it's like, what is going to like boil up first, right? And is it going to be the Punk thing that leads to that, or is it going to be Warlow first? Um, and that's what's kind of get me wondering too. Like, are they going to do Punk and MJF at Revolution, which I selfishly hope for because I'm gonna, it's right here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I, I'm just I'm so here and very intrigued with the whole Wardlow thing. That's such a good point. I didn't I didn't even think about like who gets the payoff first. Like who CM Punk versus MJF, or do we get uh, Wardlow turning on MJF first, or do that happen on the same night? I think you spread it out. Personally, I think I think um, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I'm not even gonna. I don't I don't know what you do. And it's I. You know what? I'm just gonna leave it up to. I'm excited to find out. The one thing I'll say about this, first of all, like, I, it's so crazy. I didn't even think about that. That's such a good point of just, like, they're hiding this Wardlow feud in this incredible feud with MJF and CM Punk. In it's plain like, sight, essentially. Like, exactly. it's staring us in the face. It's, like, that and, segment last night just, like, pointed that out to me for some it's reason. It's like, you know how, like, you like, have things go, that go on, like, your subconscious brain or whatever, and, like, you don't even realize. It's like breathing. Like, you're breathing and you don't even know. Like, you right. don't have to think about the fact that you're breathing. But you're doing something else. Technically, you're always multitasking, right? Because you're doing whatever you're doing, but you're also breathing while you're so doing true. it, hopefully, right? This is a really weird analogy. A it's a little bit of a stretch, but I hope you're following me. But it's like, accurate, though. I appreciate that. I pre- see this. Is, you should get on here more often, Ashley. Um, but like, like, it's the same thing. What they're doing with the CM Punk MJF stuff. They're doing something, and literally, this Wardlow MJF feud is just breathing in the background. It's you know what's going on. It's happening. You're, you're mindful of it, but like, hopefully, you're mindful of it. Um, it's a plug for meditation. Uh, but right. like, hopefully, you're mindful of it. But you don't even really you just you're just enjoying the fact that it's going on while you're doing whatever you're doing. Or if you're eating while you watch something, like you're enjoying the fact that you're eating, but really you're paying attention to what you're watching, but all the meanwhile you're consuming it's just it's such an interesting while breathing. So like it's such late. an amazing while breathing. Don't yeah, put a third storyline in there too, but <laughs> it's such a really like wonderful, nuanced way of telling a story that you just don't see in pro wrestling like, I can't remember the last time I felt like, because um, realistically, bodyguard turns, big beefy bodyguard, right, turns on rich, snobby, whatever, uh, you know, champion, whatever you want to call it. I'm just thinking about Triple H now. Is not a uh, new story. Uh, Diesel and Shawn no. Michaels, right? Uh, Triple H and Batista, we talked about it. We got it going on kind of with Jamie Hayter and uh, Britt Baker. Like, this is like, I'm sure there's so many other ones, too. It's not original, but it works, and it's a good uh, it's a good vehicle. But the way that they're doing it is so unique. I, I love that, I, and um, and I and I'm the same way. I'm really enjoying it. The one thing I'm having two issues with it, though, I'll say all that positivity. One is <laughs> like if I were Wardlow, I would have kicked the crap out of this guy by now. So either Wardlow is like a little you know you know what female dog and just like is too scared to do that or whatever. Or they need to hone in more on the fact that he doesn't have another income, maybe. Because, like, I always forget that he's not an AEW. Technically, I think See, he's on the roster. Let's do let's do the – we're on the roster page now. Let's do the Wardlow. I guess he's yeah, not – Yeah, and that's, on, exactly, that's uh, exactly what I was going to say. Like, that is my – because I'm 100% there with you. Like, I'm like – especially last week was very glaring. Like, why the F wouldn't you just – Yeah, I'm he's on the roster PG. page. 
But I don't think we ever got a Wardlow is all, and I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't know if we ever got that, you know, because it's not official until you get the graphic, right? But <laughs> on, he on is Twitter, all the... elite, technically, if you see him on the, you know what I mean? Like he's on the website. Yeah. So I just feel like if if you, and again, I could just be being spoiled, but like it's the nuance of of does he have another income? Like like you know, is is this because if this is all, it's a, I, this is a really bad throwback. But Shawn Michaels JBL, you remember that storyline? Um, yes, I do. They made it. They they WWE did absolutely, but it was clear in your face that Shawn Michaels had no choice because he had he literally was broke. He was bankrupt, right? I I need if you make that clear to me, like if that's a clear story beat, I I understand why they're doing such a slow burn. Because sometimes when you just do slow burn for slow burn's sake, which we God know AEW is a victim of, uh, not a victim of, is a perpetrator of. Uh, so many times, just an angle for an angle's sake, or slow burn for a slow burn's sake. Like, there's a, the, like, there's bad storytelling, too. Not all storytelling is good storytelling. Um, so if we had that, I could almost understand why this is such a slow burn. Otherwise, in my head, I'm just thinking, why is he not kicking the crap out of him lately? If he's gonna get money from Tony Khan, God knows Tony Khan's gonna get a nice contract for Wardlow. Like, that's where they lose me a little bit. And then the other thing... Is and you tell me I'm worried he's gonna have Brian Cage syndrome. I'll leave mm. that there too. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't yeah. know enough about Wardlow. Like so far, his facial expressions and everything are telling me that this guy's got more charisma than I've ever had or could dream of having in my entire life. Uh, but I we haven't seen it. You know what I mean? So it's just concerning. Like how many big meat like big muscular guys like that do you see are like wonderful on the microphone you know i, I just I, I can't think of somebody off the top of my head who who had it who had both maybe john cena if you want to consider john cena a really big muscular guy but i wouldn't i wouldn't even put him in that category so i don't know just yeah. just wardlow concerns but it's not like i'm not enjoying this i yeah i i definitely see like where you're getting at with that the only thing that kind of doesn't have me too too concerned with the whole Brian Cage effect for Wardlow um is that and, it, and it's so like I don't want to say sad but it's so bizarre like he just kind of disappeared like people in AEW like they don't like they just kind of like disappear for like a while or something I'm not saying like we and again like I'm I'm not one of those fans who like has to know like the inside scoop on everything like I make it a point to like avoid spoilers and stuff like that but like it's just kind of like weird how like they just disappear and then like we'll just randomly show back up or like just I don't know but because I, I don't know where Cage is he may be injured but it's just kind of I don't he's know he's not injured yeah I don't think I don't, yeah I didn't think he was but yeah he's just kind of gone which is fine but you know it's just where to go but with Warlow, I think he he kind of he connects more with the fans than Brian Cage does. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm not gonna say Cage doesn't have like charisma or anything like that. I just think it's a different form of of personality that not everyone is gonna grasp onto, or like the majority of people. And and obviously, like in wrestling, like when you're on like an AEW stage, like you need the majority of people's support, right? Like it's not like if you're like just doing indie shows, I feel like it's different because you can have a better chance of it being like 50-50 or just like, the you know, like your fans like outpowering the others or stuff like that. But like it's obviously more noticeable on TV. So I feel like with, with just Warlow, kind of like I, I don't know why, but like I go back to like the Batista route, like 
at the beginning, Batista didn't really talk much. Like, you didn't really hear much from him, but you were, like, intrigued by him. Mm-hmm. You weren't really, like, dying and, and, like, necessarily paying money to see him right off the bat. But, like, it was an addition to the show, right? And you were intrigued to see, like, how it played out. And that's how I feel like Wardlow is. Like, I feel like, who, regardless of what happens first, I feel like the split with him and MJF is going to be either at the beginning of of, of of the feud and that could lead to punk or maybe like that'll spawn off of the ending of, of MJF and punk, which I kind of lean more towards, but yeah, like I just think Warlow has, and we haven't really obviously got much mic time from him, but so I could be wrong, but I don't know. I just feel like once he's really given the opportunity to like show himself, I think we're all going to be kind of like pleasantly surprised in, in that round. I think, and I think he, once he does, like he's got to be on the a fast track to get to like a championship reign of some sort. Oh yeah. Put the TNT title on him. That would be so much fun yeah. to watch. Just watch yeah, him. TNT title. Yeah. Like, like, uh, uh, like Miro, except the switch, the roles of have the exactly. baby face, just power bombing the, you know what, exactly. out of, uh, out of like little like, Mira, little, little Peter a... Avalons, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But imagine a feud with him and Miro, and like where did Miro go? He just kind of disappeared too. Miro was in Purgatory, don't you remember? He was in that white background Purgatory, oh, yeah. just like trying to figure out. He Miro is in a feud with God <laughs> right now. That's right. That's right. How could I forget? He's... What like what? How can I forget? That's like the feud of the lifetime, really. If you think that, about it, you literally. know what I mean. Forget all this like little stuff. Miro's feuding with God himself. God, hey, can we get an update? Just... Can we get can we get a thirty second update? Can he do something? Yes, can I hear you. I, I think that's send... you, that's a whole nother like that's a whole podcast in its own too. Discuss all that stuff. I mean, like, uh, and uh, and you know, Serena Deeb to me was a big uh, like victim of that, where we'd see her, she'd do something so awesome, and then yeah. we wouldn't see her again. The women, I think, suffer more from and that she than either. the men. Oh my gosh, Sheeta, absolutely. Where Sheeta disappeared, and then we saw her on the Battle Royale, and everybody was so excited <laughs> to see her, and then she disappeared again. Red Velvet, I feel like, was picking up a little steam after the whole Jade Cargill feud, and then she's gone. So and you it, don't yeah. allow these women to get over because it's like you get a little bit, a little bit, and then once you get the like you get something that's picking up steam, they disappear. Uh, the only woman I feel like I've seen probably on television the most, and, and deservedly so, you know, uh, nonetheless, but is Chris Statlander. And I and just because she's part of a stable that is literally a, a feuds with everybody all the time. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's Facts. definitely a, it's a, it's like a wider problem. And I think you know, not maybe I'm biased because I, I clearly I'm not biased actually. I'm, that's not true at all. Uh, but the women clearly suffer from it more I think than the men do. Because if you think about, um, I don't know if uh, uh, Brian Danielson went away right, but he just took a big loss. I'm thinking about if Darby Allen. We see Darby Allen every week. And if he's not in a feud, we get, or if he's not, like, in a match that night, we get a promo. Jungle Boy's another great example, too. We we see those guys somehow, yeah. some way, no Especially matter what. Especially Jurassic Express. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm, you know, I'm okay with. I'm still mad about I'm still salty about the title win. Uh, <laughs> salty about that. And I miss my Ray Phoenix, obviously, who's mm. injured, and we're praying he gets better as well. Oof. I know. It was rough. And you know what? Brutal. I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it. Um I don't know why that just like flew over my head. I, I was maybe I was staring at the giant monster who just put a guy in a mask through a table, but I, that, that's probably what yeah. was going on. Or uh, I think I had actually might have caught uh, a fact that they were going to lose, or I had that feeling at that point, so I just had mentally tuned out. Um, but anyways, nonetheless, speaking of tag team actions, the first match we didn't. It's crazy that, to not start AEW off with a match. I don't mind the change every now and then, but um. But we had the uh, the first match of the night, which was the mixed tag team match, and this was a whole crap ton of fun with um, 
with like a bunch of spots back and forth at the beginning, just tagging in and out from the heels. We had the spot with Orange Cassidy doing the kicks to the shin to Rip Baker and uh, then Rip Baker stamp, st- stomping on his foot. Um, it was like blue thunder bombs left and right. Chris Statlander being the amazing, the boot from Chris Statlander as well. I forgot to mention that as well after the DMD or after the uh, uh, tags back and forth with Adam Cole and everybody. Uh, some flips to the outside. The best, one of my favorite spots of the match was that incredible shooting star press that uh, Chris Statlander does, and then Orange Cassidy just fell. I thought that was incredible. <laughs> Stereo amazing. super kicks and the kiss with the uh, Rip Baker and Adam Cole. And um, some awesome near falls off the beach break. An unbelievable Panama sunrise from the on the stage, on the stage. Not off the turnbuckle, not whatever, just like straight stage on stage. Chris Statlander is like legendary in this match for me. I thought she was so, is so underrated and this was a perfect example of it. Um, and then we had the dive out of the, yes, the, maybe the one botch of the entire match. Like I can get over it and I barely even noticed it, which was the uh, Orange Cassidy jumping over the top rope and getting kicked in the head. But for the most part, towards the end of this match, we had Adam Cole um, going, uh, excuse me, Orange Cassidy going for the, uh, what is it called? What is it called? The Orange Punch. And Adam Cole moving mm-hmm. out of the way, Orange Cassidy bumping into Britt Baker, Britt Baker going through the table that Adam Cole and Britt Baker set up. And then uh, Adam Cole hitting the worst low blow. Like I, he's, it's the worst low blow in professional wrestling. I, it's so bad. It never looks believable to me. But uh, and then and Orange up. Cassidy has to have the record. I don't mean to cut you off, but when he got hit again with a low blow, I I was sitting there thinking like I don't want to search it because I'm I'm scared of like the search results. But like <laughs> I wonder like who has the record of receiving the most low blows in AEW because it's got to be Orange Cassidy. Twenty twenty one, absolutely, he, yeah. Oh, I mean yes, yes, twenty twenty one, yes. Like I feel like he every feud he's in, he gets kicked in the. Or, little oranges so it's like why does every or, or in the tangerines or, or the yeah and there's little tangerines the little <laughs> never yeah anyway but it's just i don't know that just stood out to me because the second that happened i was like this poor guy like i feel like it's every week this happens to him yeah but i'm lazy. sorry Keep no going. no no don't worry about it it's lazy and plus little tangerines i'm never gonna forget that the little clementines <laughs> the we little got a low blow to the clementines for poor orange cassidy <laughs> yeah. and uh, and obviously he got hit with the boom and then the uh orange this is so beautiful such a wonderful way adam cole goes ref ref and the, while well, he's checking on obviously his, uh, his girlfriend and on the outside and then the ref jumps in does the, the three count and then he goes out and helps Britt baker but first oh, yeah. ref you got to come out screw her and you know uh, count the three count and then okay now we can focus on uh, Britt baker on the outside um i'm so curious to hear obviously as 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 Britt baker number two fan of all time uh or mm. like maybe one and a half i don't know we could okay. we talk about it okay yeah we'll <laughs> talk about it very excited to hear not just about what you thought about the match, obviously, which was a whole load of fun, at least in my opinion. But um, how do you feel about Adam Cole and Britt Baker being a uh, a unit on TV, and uh, and Chris Statlander and and the, the purity and the love that is Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy as a team? Yeah. So first, like Chris Statlander, like since she's come back from her injury, like she's just looked amazing. Like she, I don't know not, how many months it's been. I wait, sorry, I'm going to cut you off because I forgot to mention that she is to me has been the best consistent in-ring worker for the women's division for the last couple months. Like I easily. Yeah. Even if she's like, there was that match on rampage that wasn't incredible. That tag match, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't like blow away worthy. All of her spots look great. Because I feel like she doesn't try to do all these fancy maneuvers that you see your Penelope Fords, who's also really consistent and great, too. But And, you know, your are Ty Condi's and Anna Jay's trying to do these, like, you know, intricate big moves. It's like, 
I mean, as I said that, I'm thinking about Penelope before just slamming her knee into Ty Conti on the outside on that table in that terrible spot. Um, but um, yeah. she just kicks the crap. She just hits the other woman with her body. Like, she doesn't pull back as much or whatever. She just rams into the other woman. She do- It doesn't... It looks, you know, like professional wrestling is supposed to look. It looks real. Um, exactly. So, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you up, but I'm just like, I'm putting no pun intended. I want to book her Statlander over to the moon over and over and over again. Yeah, like, to another Cameron galaxy. Grimes, to another gal. I want to boop her to another galaxy. That sounds weird. I Yes, I just want to put her over to another <laughs> galaxy. You talk. Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so she... All that good stuff, like you just said, I'm not even going to try to do a better job summing up that. But I agree with you 100%. But she, I, I love her and Cassidy as a tag team. I think it's it's just a, a fun little act. And I think, I mean, obviously Orange is like the perfect partner for her um, in that respect. But I, I'm i a fan of Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker finally like embracing each other on, on TV because I like the way they went about it. They didn't have Cole as a bigger star than Britt or even I mean I thought I probably would have minded Britt being a bigger star than Cole like they're they're viewed as equals and what I really loved probably the most about um, everything tonight was the entrances right like of course Adam Cole came out first but he came out separate he did his thing he went through his entire entrance and then Britt came out second at in their team and she got her own entrance and separately like so obviously they're a team and they're real life boyfriend and girlfriend but they didn't come out together and they didn't just tack Britt on with Adam Cole and make her come through his entrance and like kind of do his go through his motions right like they were a team and I just I don't know that kind of stood out to me and I, I just really appreciated Britt having her own entrance and obviously she's a champion but they very well could have just had them come out together um so I don't know that just kind of like meant a lot to me but the match itself was really fun. Like, it was probably a little bit more fun than I even anticipated it. Um, at first, I was kind of surprised that they were even having their first match as a team on TV so soon. Um, and t- to be honest, like, part of me is kind of struggling with, like, the, like, Adam Cole going straight to a Lights Out match just because Orange accidentally, like, bumped into Britt and, and Dr. Britt Baker, and she fell through a table. Um, I mean, I and it, but part of me is like, you know, like, good for him. Like, he's standing up for his woman. Like, he's like, right that, you know, she anyone would lay a hand on her, much less put her through a table, regardless of whose fault it really was. Um, but what, do you, what are your thoughts before we kind of move on, like, on, on the Lights Out match next week that, like, kind of stemmed from this? Because, like, Part of me is like, it, are we really at that point? And I like, I know they've obviously been feuding for a while now, but I don't know. Like, lights on is just kind of like another level to me, and it's kind of serious. And I just, I, I didn't feel like we were at that point yet, but maybe I should feel that way. <laughs> I don't know. No, I totally get where you're coming from. And you know what? I had a similar thought of like, I went, I went, I was, I got mad that Britt Baker got put to the table and was laid out like that. Like she was like a valet for somebody. It was my first vibe like with that. And, um, and my fiance told me she was like, I was like, she felt like a damsel in distress. And I'm like, that's the woman's champion. She's not a damsel in distress. She's freaking Dr. Britt Baker. I love how formally you address her, by the way. I think that's wonderful. Like we can't, we don't, we can't call her Britt. She's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, and you know what's funny, really quick, since you, you mentioned that, like, 
it annoys me in in my real life everyday interactions with people when like at first like I, if I don't know like you're a doctor and I say oh well thank you Mister whatever and they're like oh it's Doctor Smith and like that annoys me because like you say with an attitude like I'm supposed to know so then I make it maybe I shouldn't be admitting this but then I make it a point to just say all right Mister Smith but Britt like that. she she's just she's Doctor Britt Baker you know like I don't know but yes, yeah I'm she sorry, deserves the respect yes if any she, she does. like she could pull I would be like I'm if somebody if somebody else called her Miss Britt Baker I'd be are you kidding me? Don't, you, should, you should know. I don't care what you do in your life if you've never seen the show that we're talking about right now, but you should know. That's exactly. Dr. Britt Baker, exactly. No, I, I, um, but I was upset about that and I, and I, and, and, t- and she had, uh, my fiance was like, uh, you know, they brought the table in, you know, I don't think she was a damsel in distress. She just got bumped just like anybody else would. She took the bump beautifully too. She like talked she me off the ledge about that. And I was like, okay, I can understand that. I still wasn't a huge fan, but I can, I can understand the finish. I actually really like the finish. And the reason I like the finish is exactly because of the lights out thing. And I, I, I totally see your perspective. And that was like one of, you know, you can have like dueling thoughts going on at once. And that was one of mine. And then the other one was like, uh, actually, this is freaking hilarious. Like, the best thing about Adam Cole is his facial expressions. Yes, he's super oh talented gosh, in the ring yeah. and whatever else, but he's a lot like Taz, where the f- more angry he gets, the funnier it is. Like, Taz is so good at just being <laughs> angry about everything. Like, Taz is just like... And then, you know, he's, he's like, produced... And out of nowhere. Out of... Yeah, exactly. And about, like, the stupidest little things, like, leave it to Taz to have, like, a title that's not recognized by AEW, and just to get angry (laughs) about it all. I don't know. It's just funny to me. And him and Ricky Starks are such a good pair because of that. But so Adam Cole, to me, has a very similar vibe, where he's really funny when he gets angry about stuff. And that's why this feud with Orange Cassidy, like, that match was so entertaining um, that they had, the singles match. So I think... The reason that this works to me is if you look at the lights out match, here's just, if anybody else feels the same way you do too, I try to find, like, my new thing on the internet, with Twitter, because Twitter is just such a nightmare. The internet of just people is such a nightmare. It's just such a cesspool of, like, ignorance. Yeah. But, like, I tell, you, tell us how you really feel. I know, but it's like, it's just, ugh. I've been trying to find other people's takes on things that somehow might make me enjoy whatever I'm watching more. Rather than just, like, sticking with how I feel about something. So, if anybody feels the same way you do about something, another way you might be able to look at it is, like, looking at a Lights Out match. That's why it's so nice to have someone like you or Zach or somebody on the podcast, too, to get a new perspective on whatever it is, especially if I'm negative about it. Um, it was, like, look at a Lights Out match rather than, like, this big serious thing like it was the blow-off feud with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. And look at it as like, this is kind of freaking hilarious. This guy, Adam Cole, right? The guy who was so worried about his girlfriend, he had to have the referee come in and count the three count for the match, and then he could go out and help Britt, right? Excuse me, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, but also, like, everybody, clear as day, you could tell, Orange Cassidy didn't mean to do that. That was an accident. Orange Cassidy is like one of the, like, seems like one of the nicest, soft-spoken guys in the world, right? The only time Orange Cassidy gets fired up is, it seems like, when it has to do with Chris Statlander, like his friend, you know? Not about his own matches, but um, clearly seems like a nice guy. He's, he's the last person you're going to think is, like, hitting women. You know what I mean? Let's call it Spade yeah. Spadey or whatever. So, it's to me, it's like Adam Cole just is, like, gets so over the top. You bumped into my girlfriend, and she fell through the table that I set up. You know what I mean? Like, and so, you know what? Lights out match. We need to just have like a the most violent match ever because you accidentally bumped into my girlfriend and she fell through a table, the table that I set up. Like I just I almost find it like 
funny the delusion of Adam Cole, and so that's why I was like, you know what, I can get behind this. Does that did that make any sense? Did I just ramble for twenty minutes about nothing? <laughs> no, no, it, it totally does. And I'm not bothered by it. like I'm, I'm I totally it. And when you say that, like it actually does make a lot more sense. <laughs> um, I I didn't really think about it that way, and like I'm not mad at it. I was just like, I guess for it, for me in my mind, I was like, wow, like you're really going to like. Because he could have had, like, just, like, a regular Falls Call Anywhere match, like, just, like, a no DQ match, a tables match, or, like, anything. But he went, like, to the full extreme. Oh, the lights out, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, why are you going? Because, like, those matches are supposed to be, like, uh, unsanctioned, like, they don't count the record, all that stuff. Um, So, like, that's just, like, where my mind went. And especially because later, like, when he had his his backstage promo, like, he was heated and he was, like, upset. But he looked like like, a a little kid. You know what I mean? You know when you do something, like, really tiny, like, you break a kid's crayon. It's the end of the world. You know what I mean? He was, like, he looked like a, like, especially little boys, like, preteen boys, like, just have such a weird little, like, a temper. The weirdest stuff makes them so angry. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's. And he that's reminded so me of like, yeah, like like children I have watched in my past jobs, like of just getting angry about absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna marinate on that. But I, I, I appreciate think that's that. it. I think you're onto something. Well, the and the other thought is too, and this is this might be a little bit of a mind, you know what? But like. They are making a lights out. They're making it a lights out match, and a lot of people have the theory that Adam Cole—they're doing it so Adam Cole can take a loss, similar to like what happened with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, but have it not affect the record, like the rankings. Um, but my theory is that they're doing that to have people think that it's like they're doing that to have people think that, but still Adam Cole's going to win. Does that make sense? So it's going to put because really if Adam Cole and 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 Orange Cassidy had another match the result wouldn't be in doubt right we all know Adam Cole's probably going to be Hangman Page's next challenger once they get through whatever the heck is going on now uh maybe at Revolution so you pretty much know Adam Cole's going to win any sanctioned match so they put the lights out to actually not necessarily make it so Orange Cassidy can win but now we have a little bit of doubt in our mind that Orange Cassidy might win yeah okay i like that I like that. Again, I don't mean to make excuses for them. If I were them, no. I probably wouldn't have booked it this way. But I do. I think. I. I think. Uh, I think this whole feud has been kind of a joke, and I'm trying to take it as a joke rather than because I don't know. Most of this. Yeah. How long have they? Been? It feels like months at this point. Yeah, and that's why, like, part of me was like, well, I guess it makes sense, you know, right? Because they're obviously blowing this off, so he can get on to, like you said, what hopefully and what I'm hoping for is his impending feud with Adam Page. That'll result of a revolution, I'm hoping. Because um, I, so I know, like, I just hope that they don't pull Archer and Page out until revolution. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I hate to be... Match. You know, like, I, I don't think so, especially with them, like, getting physical already, but like, I'm not going to get into that yet. But, like, I just, for, for me, selfishly, I just... I that's why I was like okay like the lights out match makes sense in a way because they're finishing this so he can go on to hopefully the championship so it's gonna be a good match though and I think honestly like I think like Orange is really gonna I think stand out here and I think he's I think he's really gonna get like pretty serious and like like hardcore like I'm I'm very intrigued to see like how far he will go in in that type of environment. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking too. The character development of Orange Cassidy lately, yeah. it seems like we're seeing, we're seeing like especially even with just the punches that he throws. Like, I, and we had talked about this in the last time we were on a show, I think together, uh, maybe before the one with Zach too. Just about like 
Orange Cassidy is probably going to need to show another layer of Orange Cassidy because this is only going to... It's not like he can't ever just go back to this, you know, but, like, you can only play the greatest hits for so long, which is funny to think because he's such a... He's not, like, an old guy or anything, but he does... He, he is kind of, like, a greatest hits wrestler, but in real time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it only has a certain shelf life, like, his type of character. Like, you can only do that for so long. Then again, I say that, Ashley, and we have, you know, the main event and Sting, who's defying age and logic and all that stuff. So, I I don't know. I don't know what I'm even talking about. But, um, technically, too, just in case we were wondering here, in the men's rankings, Adam Cole is at number one, because he's three and zero. But Dante Martin is... At four and zero, but uh, is number two. But I think it's because of their overall records. I don't know how they factor all that in. Uh, if they, if a certain time of the year they just start factoring in the twenty twenty two records or what they do. But um, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't I know. Just what... pull them up. Why does Cody look so sad in his picture? <laughs> Why does he look so sad or concerned? Like, what's wrong, man? But the again, I like, could. That, I... That's a loaded question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. And not to, I'm sorry, not to get off on a tangent, but I really just want I just want like a, a rule, a list, a list of rules and like they have the rankings truly work because you want the when do I just yes, I do. And I hate to be that person. Maybe it's I don't know. It's like the OCD in me. But like I have to like you have the rankings, right? And like wh- at what point do they challenge for the title? Is it a certain number? Like why? I mean, where did Archer come from? Like, I don't, what is, I don't know. I don't like, I just have so many that. questions. Like, because, like, at least with a tournament, you know, like, once you beat so-and-so, you're moving on to so-and-so, and it gets one less person until it's you and against the other winner of the bracket. Like, you know it's going to end at some point. But, like, the rankings, like, we just never know once they get to five, then they're going to get a, a title shot. Or maybe not a title shot, but, like, I don't – just something. Like, I don't – I don't know. Like, I just – I I don't – I like the rankings. I don't hate them, but I just – I'm sorry. Like, it just – it bothers me because I want to care even more about them and, like – it's cool, right? Like, it's a cool concept, and they obviously take it seriously or somewhat seriously. So, like, just help me, like, understand. <laughs> like, dumb it down for me <laughs> if that's, if that's like, what it takes. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just I care too much about these rankings. I don't think we should ever apologize for caring. You just want to be more and more invested, and I love that, and I feel the exact same way. I think um, – I think there's a certain extent, obviously, right? But I, I agree with you. I just want I just want more knowledge because I want to be more and more invested. You know what I'll say is like an example of what you were talking about that I really liked was um, the TBS tournament, the women's tournament, uh, where they had the women who were in the top five have a bye in the first round. Not because they mm-hmm. were heels, not because they were baby faces, but just everybody who was in the top five got a buy in the first round. I really thought that was a great use of the rankings. Like, things like that, yeah. I just, I want, like, give me a week-to-week update on the rankings. You know what I mean? Maybe that would help. Just make it a little bit more um, canon. And I, I can't imagine how hard it can be to book sometimes to, like, make it so the rankings match up with what you want to happen and stuff like this. But, like, turns out, you know, wrestling is or scripted. Like- yeah, you can you yeah. can make what you want happen happen. So yes, there are rules, and and when you set your own rules, you have to follow them. And I think that's probably why they haven't ever come out with something like what you're talking about. Because once you set that precedent, you have to follow it. But uh, I don't know. I I, I just think um, why is it telling me to save this on Pinterest? <laughs> Do you see that? Are you hovering over it at all? Can you? 
It's in the top left corner. It's no, I'm can... on my uh, I'm on my phone. No, oh, it says I can save it on Pinterest. Okay, maybe the rankings are on Pinterest then. The rankings are outsourced from <laughs> Pinterest, guys. Breaking news. Um, but yeah, okay. no, I, I hear what you're saying. I just I think uh, I think I think they they're just scared to commit because then then you then you have to live by your own rules. Yeah, yeah, no, and and you know, like I don't need like. I don't need like specifics. Like I don't need like a, a long list, but just like a general idea, you know, like once you get to like, if it's like a number thing, if it's like, by the time you get to the next pay-per-view, whoever's at like the top, like, yeah, yeah. Just like a, a just a more generalized idea of like, okay, cool. Like I'm number one, but like, how long am I going to be number one? You know, like what if I've been number one for two months, but I never got my title shot, but then like I lost like two matches and now I'm number two or number three, but then I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's just, my brain is just weird. Oh, wow, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, but let's we can get back to the card. But just talking about rankings, like it just it's just like a thorn in my side, man. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why like this bugs me so much. I get that. I have to think about too that we're only a couple years into this whole thing, you know. And I hope oh, maybe yeah, by five yeah. years things are a little bit more fleshed out. I think things For will sure. change, you know. But I'm with you. I I think I say I say we continue to hold them to a higher standard. You know, um, and they'll continue to try to, to try to reach it, which we saw here. It sounds like last week, everybody held them, not just myself, right, but like held them to a higher standards of like you can't have you know seventeen different interruptions backstage, like and, and during interviews and stuff like that. You've got you're lazy. You have to come up with something different. And this week we had like one. Um, so definitely, yeah, th- this is the company yeah. that listens, at least for the most part. Um, for sure, yeah. Speaking of which, backstage, right? Look at that transition. Um, backstage, Chris, Chris Jericho, Ortiz, and Santana are all being interviewed by um, what's his name again? I always forget. Alex Marvez. Alex Marvez. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Um, and they're just talking about Eddie Kingston in 2.0 again. Um, I'll, we'll be quick about this because I, I don't know. But what I, I, I could. This is just like the same, um, same match to me. Different, different like editions of it. I'm, I'm, I'm so over this at this point. Um. And I'm the only one who didn't seem to notice Chris Jericho's hairline at first. I don't. I. I, I guess that the just shows you dye? that I. That like yeah, I, I think it shows you that I got. I have an eye doctor appointment tomorrow, so that's good. Um, because I didn't even notice it. Yeah, it was like the first thing that I saw. Like, and I was like, just I. I didn't say anything. I don't think I. Or I don't know. Like I just <laughs> because like his the rest of his hair wasn't even that dark. So like I don't know. I was just kind of more perplexed. That's why like I didn't even really know what to say. It was like a bad but, spray tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor guy. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, but, but what about the actual wrestling part? Nonetheless, right? Right. <laughs> that whole thing that we're right. talking about, the whole Eddie Kingston right. 2.0, Daniel, you know, um, Ortiz, Santana. All, uh, are you? Is this exciting to you? Are you into this? It sounded like they were trying to move on from it a little bit with our uh, Santana and Ortiz saying like, "Chris, when have you ever done anything for us or whatever?" And I and I did like that because. Let's make that canon, right? Like it's time to have the the Santana and Ortiz start um, going after the belt. The belt. I don't know why I was saying it like the belts. They're trying to go after the the, the title belts, but um, but I I, I the, the feud for me, I'm done. You know, they're having another match. It seems like on Rampage, I'm pretty much done with this. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if they were gonna go the route of trying to have like Eddie and Chris be <laughs> Eddie and Chris, like we're best friends. Um Kingston and Jericho. Can they coexist? Like, yeah, yeah. If, look at I wonder where you have you heard that term somewhere before? Uh, I've Can seen... they coexist? That's has such a good ring to it. It's an old storyline thing that they used to do back in the day. 
Oh, man, that, that, that's so that's so fitting. But, yeah, so I thought that they were going to go that route, and I'm, I'm kind of happy that it doesn't really appear that they are at this point because, you know, like, I think what should be the f- the focus here is uh, Santana and Ortiz calling out Jericho like they did this week and saying what they said, and then Kingston kind of having their back and then siding more with, with Kingston and this really being the, the breakup of the inner circle, or at least, like, uh, or Santana and Ortiz kind of doing their own thing and breaking off their own path and hopefully getting the titles. Um, and, and that I, I just want to see like a straight up one-on-one match against with Jericho and Kingston. Like I just, I feel like we just, with this one, we need to get straight to the point. And again, like it's, it's kind of weird with the timing wise, because what is this like January 20th, I think today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still have a little, like I would say weeks? like a month and yeah, at least what six dynamites until revolution. Um, so I don't know. And I know they have like their, what is it called? Like the beach week or something like that next week. Um, beach week. I love that you called it beach week. Something is, <laughs> it's, I'm we're sure calling right, it beach but, week from now on. But yeah, for beach week, we're just about that. Um, yeah. So like for, for beach week, like it's obviously not that big of a show, but it's a name of a show, right? Like it's a themed show. So I'm sure they'll have like apparently some trees it or is. <laughs> Apparently it is. <laughs> It's beach it break. Really? It's beach break. I can't take you seriously. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Beach week. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, it's like we're, spring we're... break for AEW yeah. Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I just here's, here's my question for you. Do you want to see? Like, do you have a general desire to see Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho in a match? Yeah, I do. You I do? Like, okay. I like, yeah, I like what they've done, but and that's that's kind of like my my point with it. Like, I just want. Santana Ortiz would do their own thing. It'd be clear that Eddie is with them, but not like that's not the main focus here. But have the focus on on Jericho and Kingston. But now I, I want that like I want that to kind of be made apparent next week. So then now the week's coming out, we can see the promos and and stuff like that. Because I feel like them two going off kind of like with Kingston and, and Punk in the same respect, and, and kind of have it in the ring so you can get that energy. Because I think that's where Kingston thrives the most, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be as long and as serious or anything like that, but I just feel like they could get, and especially, I just, you know, see what you want about Jericho, but I feel like he can get a lot out of people promo-wise, and not saying Eddie Kingston needs that at all, but I just think that it would kind of entice Eddie more in a way. And just, I don't know, like, I just feel like it'd be fun. Yeah, I, I see. This is why I bring you on. You're so, you're so, you're so much more positive about this stuff because I'm just not. You have a better outlook on this stuff, and I'm. I, I know just I'm just on their rankings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to use your outlook on this a little bit more because I'm so down on this. I literally think I just decided not to talk about. It. I like there was a whole segment in our match last week, and on the review show, I said I'm just not gonna talk about this. I was just that disinterested, um, because I, I. I mean, it's the same, to me, it's the same thing, like, same thing, just a different version of it, you know, uh, same, whether it's a backstage interview, or an interview in the ring, or a match where they, or a plunder brawl, or it's like, I feel like I'm just seeing the same thing over and over again, but just with different faces, so I'm so, like, the way I measure okay. this is I see how over was Eddie Kingston before he started this, and where is he now? And I feel like Eddie Kingston is way less of a concern than he was before he started doing whatever this whole thing was. Um, so to me, it, it hasn't been successful. Do I want to see Jericho versus Eddie Kingston if I pose the same question to myself? Not really. I, I just think, I don't think, I don't think Jericho in this current, right? The man is, 
the man isn't Sting, first of all. And then besides that, right, he's he's 50-something years old. He's not going to be able to keep up with the style that Eddie Kingston has for me in order to put on a, an exciting enough match. Because Eddie Kingston is not your flippy-dippy guy, right? And he's also not, like, he's pretty technically sound, but that's not what you think about with Eddie Kingston. He's a, he's a brawler, right? Like, and, uh, and Jericho just doesn't, that doesn't fit for me, you know? I don't, I don't know if I'm making any sense with that, but I think about the, yeah. like, how fun and fast-paced that match with CM Punk was. Oh my gosh, that was probably my favorite match at the pay-per-view, um, I just yeah, can't see that. Same. Like, I can't see that getting that exciting at like uh, with Chris Jericho and, and you know and his new hairline. I just don't. I don't see where <laughs> where that's gonna have the same energy. So I don't know. I, I love 2.0 though. I think 2.0 are just. I you know I sing their praises every single every single week on the show. And Daniel Garcia as well um, is just getting better and better. And I think he's gonna learn. Funny enough, I think he's gonna learn a lot from 2.0 about. Uh, could you imagine Daniel Garcia without 2.0? I feel like he would have been so serious and wouldn't have talked as much and would have just been, like, this weird, like, we could have gone with, like, you know, daddy's money kid to me. Like, that was the vibe I would have gotten. This is so much better. Whatever. He's just, like, a goofball and, like, is able to not take himself so terribly seriously. So so I love 2.0 and I'm always happy to see them on my screen. But uh, I'm just, I'm getting a little sick of the same drawn-out stuff. It's like, let's put 2.0 like, how is this any different from the Sting Darby Allen stuff, you know? Besides, we're adding a can they coexist factor. <laughs> See, that's interesting because to me, like, I'm so I was at the, the dark tapings this past Saturday. Um, oh, just and, a casual Saturday. Yeah, just, you know, whatever. But <laughs> look, like, they sign up AEW, like, hooks really hooks you up, right? Like, the, the, Tickets for the tapings are free. It's just like a first come, first serve thing. So like you have to be like once they drop, you have to you know get them while you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up getting free parking too. Like I because my the set that I was going to was the seven p.m. to ten p.m. So I don't know, but like I don't know if it was like a time thing. But by the time I was pulling up and like it was me and a few other people, it was free parking. So so you just, you just coming on this night. podcast to brag about it. No, but like, so my point <laughs> with it, my, so the point that I was making was I found, I have a newfound respect for 2.0 after this past weekend, seeing them live and in person, like they really are animated and they really do add energy and life to like the match that they're in and with Garcia respectfully and like just the look of them. It's like kind of like an oxymoron, like you have him, like he, he gets serious, right? Like he does still have like that serious face and that serious look sometimes, but like, I just love like, and for whatever reason, it just really stood out to me. Like I saw, we saw like them in two different matches, right? So each time, like the second Garcia would win, they jump in the ring and they throw his towel on him. And it's just like, they're celebrating, but it's, he's serious. And it's just like, it's just, it's funny. So like, I, I finally, like it finally clicked with me, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, like I'm, I, I get what you're saying, but to me, with with Kingston and Jericho before we move on, like I I think we just we haven't really it hasn't even really began yet, put it that way. And I think that like I think if it's going to, it needs to happen like next week, and then we can like get into the promo and then see where it goes from there. I was gonna say, but yeah, I think get them on the microphone, like a, huh? Get them on the microphone, one on one. That's what we need. Yeah, I I feel like you may feel better about it once we get like a, a good promo exchange from them, like in the ring, 
in front of a live crowd, like on Dynamite, whatever. But I think the match itself would end up being like a, a no DQ or like a, if it's at Revolution, a Orlando street fight type thing. And I don't think it would be like a regular standard match. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. And it wouldn't be a standard street fight. Obviously, it would have specific Orlando rules to it. I it would have to be, of course. Whole other level. Pretty much lights out. You, as you were saying that, I'm thinking about um, Daniel Garcia is like Hook if he wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, like, yeah. he's a really good example of, like, your angry preteen boy. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like, he just, like, grits his, he just snorts and snarls and grits his teeth and then makes really bad jokes. And it's just, like, I, I, I adore him. And I think he is, like, if you got the four pillars, I think you got to have some other, like, surrounding structures. And I think he's definitely going to be one of them. Like, what an amazing find, um, obviously, as he was popping on the indie scene. But, um... For AEW, I just think he's been such a good... He's, like, paying his dues right now. And when I say paying his dues, I yeah. think it means he's learning so much. Um, so, you know what, Ash? I will leave. I, I I am a little bit more positive about the Eddie Kingston and okay. Chris Jericho. I have a little more hope. I'm excited for the, the promo exchange if we get there. Because you're right. They, they one-on-one haven't really started. It's just AEW does the same thing with stable versus stable, even though Eddie Kingston yeah, doesn't do. really have a stable. Um, that, you know... It's this is my example of like this is going on like get get to the point you know what I mean I, I just yeah. like we don't need to save this for later you have so many amazing wrestlers on your roster stop saving stuff for later just give it to me give it to me like you gave me Grand Slam that that match between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson like out of the blue like sometimes I just need those every now and then and um and we actually I guess we got that later on in the show or maybe some people did um not necessarily for me but. All right, let's move on. We still got a lot to cover, and this match was so long, and it really outstayed its welcome for me. Um, <laughs> CM Punk, Sean Spears, uh, they they go back and forth, you know, for hours, and then all of a sudden, CM Punk hits Sean Spears. Obviously, I'm being facetious. Uh, CM Punk, within maybe five seconds, they go a little little grappling back and forth, kind of standing up, but uh, CM Punk hits the the go to sleep and uh, and pin Sean Spears, and that's the match. And uh, I'm I'm just gonna throw this right over to you. What, what did you think of this classic? Yeah, I have five stars. I mean, how how can it not be? You know, the year's over. I mean, we've seen match of the year, so everything else is pretty relevant. I did forget um, to mention too. MJF did come out to do they they did they did the entrances. Sean Spears' entrance is amazing, by the way. I know, but it, like I love the visual. God, he and he just knows what he's doing in this. Like he fits. He finally, I feel like we finally found where Sean Spears fits so well. Yeah. He's so good at what he does. I was thinking too. I forgot to mention this. I'm sorry. I promise I'll throw it over to you after this. But um. <laughs> You said Wardlow was like Batista, right, for the Triple H. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, so what does that make Sean Spears? Because we know he's not Randy Orton. Oh, my God. Sean Spears is Ric Flair. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, it's got, it's got parallels. But I, I mean, thought, yeah. uh, I, 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 yes, he just plays his part so well. And then, obviously, MJF, like I said, came out and did his whole entrance and was on commentary for this match as well. Um, but, yes, before we talk about post-match, what did you think? Yeah, no, I I think my favorite part was because earlier in the in MJF's promo, he had mentioned that he was going to be on commentary and like yeah. he just he made a point to mention that and he literally didn't really get a chance to say anything on on commentary at all. Like he didn't get a chance to really sit down like he it was I love that he his whole thing is talking, obviously, and he was just completely cut off because of how short the match was. Um, I just it was. I loved it because it was the exact opposite of what we got last week. Um. And, you know, like, part of me, like, 
you know, feels a little bit because I, I, I'm a Sean Spears fan, you know, like a lot of people crap on him and I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I, I dig him, you know, like I don't think he, he deserves the, the hate and the disrespect that he gets, but you know, like, especially this game, like, I think you said it perfectly, like, like this is, I think this is him and I think this is like the ideal, like character and version or whatever of him. So I, I think he slotted perfectly. And I think once MJF and Warlow do break up, like Sean is like the perfect, like number two guy for, for MJF in a different way now. Like it won't obviously be the muscle, but it'll be the chairman, you know, like you don't really need muscles when you have a weapon. So it is what it is. <laughs> but I, I, I really liked what they did with this this week, but I, I'll stop there because I didn't really understand the confrontation after that though. Okay, or we'll get into that, and I'll, and I'll just say real quick, so we don't stay on this too long, I totally agree. I thought this was brilliant. This was brilliant. Like, I was, like, I was thinking to myself, because the matches before, like, I felt like, I just, like, I wasn't, I, I don't think I was ready to, like, digest, I don't know, the mood. The mood, the vibe was set, at least subjectively for me. I, like, wasn't about to, like, digest another 15 to 10 minute, you know, 7 to 15 minute match of just, like, I don't know. Like Sean Spears, it, 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 like you said, like I'm not a Sean Spears apologist, and I and I don't have anything against him, but on this show particularly, like I didn't, there wasn't room for a Sean Spears match for me on this card, and right. uh, just with everything else that was going on, and this was perfect. Like I, I literally was so elated by this. I just thought this was like, I don't know why it just worked. I can't even dictate it very well. It just worked so well for me. This was my favorite decision of the show. I thought. I thought it was just. Like, because nobody called this. I, at least I didn't, for sure. And I didn't see anybody coming up with this online. Like, CM Punk's going to, you know, defeat Sean Spears in a couple seconds. And he didn't lose any credibility. Because in that weird little exchange they had in the beginning, like, it wasn't like Sean Spears, like, was a bad wrestler or anything. He, maybe he was over-eager at best. But CM Punk just got the better of him. Just outsmarted him. Just out-wrestled him real quick like that. And, like, like it adds to the realism of, yeah, you can just, like, hit your big move sometimes right off the back and win. I thought That's it why added, it's a finisher. Like, exactly, right? It, who says your finisher has to be 20 minutes into a match, you know? Uh, and the whole, the dichotomy between, like, the entrances and then, like, especially Sean Spears' entrance where he's just sitting there for, like, five minutes, like, Beyonce in the chair. Is that, No, not Beyonce. <laughs> Dirty Dancing? Is that the reference? I'm not hip. Don't ignore me. All right, so so he's know. sitting there in the chair. I was waiting for him to just grab the thing and the water to come down. It's Dirty Dancing. That's what it is. Uh, and uh, and the dichotomy between those entrances and MJF's entrance and everything, too, to, like, boom, match over. I, I just thought it was so uh, – it lit a fire under my butt for, like, the, you know, halfway point of Dynamite. I think I needed it at that point. So – uh, and then obviously post match we had MJF coming down to try to blindside Punk. The timing wasn't so great, but he had a great suit on, so I'll, I'll, I'll let him go. And then uh, MJ, excuse me, CM Punk it was, grabs the scarf. MJF is able to get out of the way. And you know what, Ashley, I know how you felt about this, and I, and I think I agree with you. But the entire time he's standing on the turnbuckle with the scarf, I'm, I'm literally going, put the scarf on. Put the scarf. Just do it. Put the scarf. Put, yeah. put, are you gonna put the scarf? Put the scarf on. Did you put the? Oh, yeah, put the scarf on. Yes. I was like, yes. I literally had like more satisfaction about him hitting the like scarf or putting the scarf on than I did when Hangman Page won the uh, won the AEW title. <laughs> like that was a like a more. Uh, was he gonna put the scarf on or not? It was like a more uh, enticing storyline to me than anything else AEW's done. So, I for all that it was worth, he put the scarf on. So I was happy. He did. He did. He looked great in it. He looked great. Um, yeah, I. The only thing that I I don't even want to say like I had a problem with it because I, I don't. 
I don't really know how I feel, but like the whole point of of the past few weeks is like Punk is trying to get his hands on MJF, and he can't even get close enough or in the same vicinity as him. Like even when they had the match, like Punk had to chase him throughout the arena, and he still couldn't get to him. So like he finally got him, and he very easily could have like swung at him, tackled him, like just got got him. Like he they were in the ring for a, a good. I don't know how many seconds, but it was multiple seconds, okay? And he was just kind of standing there staring at him. Like, I get, like, maybe your first couple seconds, like, you're, like, like you're both kind of, like, a deer in headlights type thing. Like, oh, wow, like, it's, we're face-to-face. But, like, that only lasts for, like, a few seconds. And then, I don't know, like, I just kind of expected him to at least, like, swing up at MJF and maybe MJF miss and then Punk was holding on with his left hand to the scarf and that's, like, I don't know, just something like that, like, Maybe, again, like, I'm reading kind of too much into it. And, I again, like, it, it didn't make me, like, hate the segment at all. But, I don't know. I just felt like it was just kind of like you got him and you didn't really, like, you didn't really do anything. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, and that was, maybe that was Punk playing uh, my games with MJF. But, I don't know. I don't know. No, I totally It was just kind of, it just kind of stood out to me. No, I, I think, I think maybe what they were going for was, um... Was that 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 like you were you were getting teased with it? You know what I mean? Like as a fan yeah. watching it, like almost, or are they gonna are they gonna come to blows and like CM Punk didn't get the chance or whatever you want to put? You know, MJF escaped again. I think that was the point, but I can see where you're coming from. I um, I think I was too focused on the scarf. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I just I don't know why. I just really wanted to see him put the scarf on. It was right. He was holding it. He really took his time with it too. He had me. He did. He I had he was me on the hook first. Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna do it. I thought he was gonna throw. I was gonna be so angry if he just threw it back at him. Yes. But he put the scarf on. So I, I left this segment happy. Um, That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so what's next? Backstage, Billy Gunn, Christian Cage, uh, the the gun the gun boys, the boys, the gun boys threw Christian Cage into a thing. And a bunch of times, and and I don't really have much to say about this because we've got a whole lot of show to talk about. Uh, do you? Not really. No. Okay. We could, we could talk about you know obviously this is you know enticing stuff. So we could talk about the gun the gun club brothers after the show obviously. Oh. Um. All right. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes comes down uh, during the commercial break. He sets up a ladder in the ring, which kind of gave gave that away real quick. But uh. And then he later on did, if I don't forget to say it, he did the WWE trope, right? The WWE cliche, climb the ladder. It's just like, why are you, you climbing the ladder? Like, why? It just to. was, it's symbolism. You know he was sitting there like, God, they're going to eat this up, this symbolism. It's a metaphor. What is it? It's not a metaphor. Um, it's not even symbolism. It's just a ladder. Whatever. It's foreshadowing? Uh, what'd you say? Foreshadowing? Yeah, but like, is, is it even... It, I don't, whatever. It just felt like a spoiler. But, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like what, it felt like they were spoiling something I wasn't even interested in at, at first. But anyways, let's, uh, let me just tell you, let's, let's talk about what happened. And as I say that, I don't really even know how to talk about what happened because Cody Rhodes talked about a lot of stuff for like 20 minutes and, and none of it really seemed to tie together. Uh, he talked about the Forbidden Door and how he was the Forbidden Door. He talked about the Young Bucks. He said that he did do the thing that I was hoping he would do, but I I don't know why he pulled the trigger now. I, I didn't. He talked about the whole CM Punk like pipe bomb and basically said that CM Punk didn't do anything and that he did. And I'm like he's not wrong, but um, I I don't know if he's still trying to get people to cheer him. He was really getting booed. It was hard to focus on anything he was saying. He talked about Red Dragon and the Bucks wrestling and. 
something about Jay Lethal, and then that's really where I started to tune out, I think. They just said Jay Lethal, and I was uninterested all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I don't know. He made a reference to the lethal cutter. No one kicks out of. I, I don't know anything about that. He talked about Malachi Black, and everybody knows how he <laughs> hates to lose. And I was thinking, God, you, that little stupid blemish on Malachi Black's record is is you, Cody Rhodes. That stupid thing. He talked about Brody Lee and and Brody King, and, and to me, it just it felt grabby. And, and I hate to say that because, like, rest in peace. Obviously, all the respect to Brody Lee. It just felt unnecessary. Like, it was weird. None of this made sense to me. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, that's the most I'm going to recap. Because there was one more thing I think I wanted to mention, and, and I don't even, oh, the, the, he talked about his contract. The Sammy. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that was the important part. That was the point of this whole segment, right, supposedly. Right. Uh, the match with Sammy Guevara, thank you, was like, he's, he's going to have a ladder match for these interim, uh, are there two titles? Do they have two titles right now, I guess? Um, I think so. Titles, which is weird. I don't know why they did that. I, I hope they give one away. And if they do, Cody Rhodes, I love you. And I think everything you're doing right now is great. And I would cheer you. Can I have I can't TNT wait for title? Rhodes to the top season two. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what? I watched a lot of that season one. And, and I really, I watched it because I was curious. And and I um, all my suspicions were confirmed. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> but um, yes, Cody Rhodes... Uh, and Sammy Guevara are going to have a match at Beach Break uh, in a. I assume it's going to be the opening match for the uh, for the interim TMT Championships. Yeah, I, I don't know. I got nothing, Ashley. I'm going to throw this one over to you. Help me. Yeah, oh, the dude, world. That's was... sorry. Before I, I want to mention that he talked about how this is a secondary title. The TNT isn't a secondary title. Like tried to make that canon, and I'm thinking, you just can't challenge for the world title. Well, Tony Khan has said that, too. Like, Tony Khan has said that in the interviews, like, that I've heard with whatever radio station or whatever, you know, various places. That, like, because one person in particular had referenced it being, like, the secondary title or, or some, called it something to that effect. And he, like, pretty much cut them off and, and was like, no, like, it, it's not a secondary title. Like, for so I think, like, they all, like, when I say they, like, all the executives and, like, everyone who's, like, whoever books or whatever, like, they try to make that a driving point for whatever reason. Um, Cause it stood out to me like when I had heard it in like the interview, whatever interview it was at the time. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Um, well. not, like, I don't mean to argue with him about it too. It's more oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. not that I'm arguing with Cody Rhodes personally, but like I more so mean like it's a supply and demand thing, right? The world title yeah. gets defended less because it's the bigger title. The TNT is a television title. It's going to get defended on television more so. So like, I don't, it's not like, you're almost naturally going to think less of it because you see more of it, if that makes any sense. So it's not like, oh, the TNT title isn't as important, but it's also when it's not, the TNT title is not in the main event of Revolution or it's not in the main event of Full Gear. It's the world title that is. Once okay. they have the TNT in the main event of a pay-per-view, then I can talk to you about how it's not a secondary title. You know what I mean? That's my yeah, argument, like, I would guess. And, no, for sure. And I, I agree with you, too. Like, my thing is, like, I don't, I don't necessarily see what would be even the best, like, what's so wrong about a secondary title? Like, like everyone knows, like, there's only one world champion, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's just by default. Like, you're just not the world champion. And if not, and being the world champion by default makes you number one, right? You're number one in the rankings, literally. <laughs> or in like, if you were to rank your champions, like for instance, Adam Page would be on the top. Like that's just how it is. Like it's not a slight on that championship, that champion, whoever it is. Like it's, it's just kind of how it is. Like in like, I don't know, like it's kind of like you can be like a national champion and then like you win. I don't know. Like it's just, 
there's levels to it, right? So like, I, know, I was uh, waiting for you to say that there's <laughs> levels to this. You know what? Yeah, I just feel like exactly. they need to keep it separate. Like, just stop yeah. talking. Because then, like, why wouldn't Cody Rhodes? Like, why wouldn't you challenge for the TNT title and the world title? Like, I just feel like they need to be kept in separate worlds. Don't try to canonize that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. But I think for for Cody's character and respect as well, like, he is the only one to... And I, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's the only one to ever say, like, on TV, like, oh, this isn't a secondary title. Like, to actually specifically say that, you know, I... Of course, like Sammy has like said, this is like he's gonna defend it every week. He's gonna be like a, a fighting champion and all that. But like Cody makes it a point to say like this isn't a secondary championship. So I think that kind of plays into the ego for his character, um, whether it's a good or a bad thing. And I just the whole again like I we could sit here for a whole another hour and dissect like every part of his what he said. But to me, like I don't. Part of me, like, I still, like, I'm in the camp where I believe that he knows what he's doing and this is all part of a master plan and this is another very, very slow burn for him to actually turn. Because for him to keep referencing it and to keep, I don't know, making it a a big deal in his promos and to be doing these crazy things, because we know he's going to do something crazy next week, right? Like, he's in a ladder match. And, like, he's always the wrestler to get, like, a, I don't say, like, a, a... gimmick match and a disrespectful way but like a, a, a gimmick match you know like a, a stipulation match so like he's always i don't know like it just kind of everything kind of plays into into itself but i kind of wished last night's focus would have just been on sammy because like the past however what two weeks that he's been gone it's all like the focus has been on oh well you know team the interim tnt champion like we had to have that match to even crown the interim champion and then like i don't know like it's just kind of my opinion, we didn't even really need an interim champion to begin with. He was only gone for two weeks, and I'm happy he's back. You know, I'm happy he's healthy. Every, I mean, obviously, that's probably a good sign that he's mm-hmm. back. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it just – everything with him feels forced. And and that's why I feel like we're still just on a path to him actually becoming heel one day, um, regardless of when that is. But, yeah, man, like, I don't know. Like, I just wish the whole – or the majority of the focus would have been on – the championship, you know, and, and not just, and maybe that's part of the plan too, you know, like he kind of makes you question everything, which I guess may be part of the plan. I don't know. It's kind of like a mind, you know what? Yeah, no, and I, that's a really good point about the Sammy Guevara part. I didn't think about that. I think, I think all of this, I almost feel like if he came out and just like you said, just focus on the Sammy Guevara part and like in the match that's going to happen next week. We, you would have, like, you and I would have been on this podcast talking about, wait, but Ashley, what about the contract thing? Like, why didn't he talk about this? Why well, wonder what he's doing with this? What's going on here? Now I just feel like he's like, oh, he mentioned everything and he gave, he gave everything only a sentence. And there's so much revolving the Cody verse right now that that took 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so I just, uh, the one thing I'll say, like, he did have a good line that I liked, but it didn't matter because no one watches NXT 2.0. I'm sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach. But no one watches NXT 2.0, right? Like, he made that joke about Walter, uh, Walter's new ring name, uh, yeah. Gunther or whatever. And I, that was funny, and it got a little pop, but also no one watches NXT 2.0. So it's almost like it, you take a rib at it. But, like, and he said, made said something about the Wednesday Night Wars again that really just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, just, and the Red Dragon thing, I didn't, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I didn't like that. You you mentioned that, too, and I, I forgot about that part. Like, I didn't, I didn't really like that him calling them, like, developmental. And 
maybe that's going to play out at some point. But like, like these guys are with Adam Cole, who's supposed to be a big star. And like, he, I don't know. Like, I just, I kind of didn't like that phrasing. Yeah, and Bobby Fish is particularly, you know, I have, I have my own feelings. And Kyle O'Reilly is, they're, is, they're both great wrestlers, but I don't know. Like, they're, they're definitely not developmental. They're, they are fully right. developed, for lack of a better term. Right. right. <laughs> it didn't. None of this, and it didn't. If they were in a feud, fine. We could work with something like that. Like, it's grabby, but it works. But, like, this was all just felt like, let me take, like, a like little, you know, like, little Nerf gun shots at everybody. But it's not really going to do an effect. I'm just going to, because it's a Nerf bullet, you know what I mean? But I'm just going to make sure I get every single person. It just felt like he tried to do too much of a, not even a good thing. And um, and I will disagree with you on one thing. I'll say, you know, I feel like we've come on this podcast talking about Cody Rhodes a lot. And what the heck is Cody Rhodes doing? And what's this and what's that? And, oh, he knows what he's doing. But, oh, we have trust in AEW. And AEW's earned our trust and yada, yada, yada. I'm, I've lost the faith. I don't think this guy has any idea what he's doing at this point. And I think he's really? turned heel and he just doesn't even know it. And I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, but I feel like the difference is so. Let, let me, let's go back to like 2014 Roman Reigns, right? Forced down our throats, baby face, right? I'm thinking about, that's the same year. That's about the right time, right? Yeah. 14, Ish. 15 really, really polished it off, yeah. Yeah, like blue-eyed Roman Reigns, right? Like yeah. blue-eyed contacts Roman Reigns, like just being forced down our throats, getting booed out of the building, like it's just not, it's just not working. Yet, Roman Reigns didn't do heelish things, Right. Maybe the whole sassafras thing. But other than that, he did suffering, <laughs> suffering suck attack, whatever. But other than that, yeah. he didn't do heelish stuff. So still technically he was, he was supposed to be a face, right? Cody Rhodes, his value system is such, I think, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I actually really like Cody Rhodes. I, I've, we've talked about this a hundred times. I, I met him at a diner. Seemed like a really nice guy. But he also, you know, has a lot of money, all this other stuff. Like his humble brags really bother me really bother me like this like he's weird you know there's not like i'm part of a family that's just too good for me or like whatever like my family is this really like it's like these weird it's a way to like brag about something but not brag about something and it drives me nuts he's like someone i think i would just like feel like i was losing my mind if i had to hang out with like genuinely um but he he comes off heelish i think when he's trying to be a baby face if that makes any sense and and i think it's because once once the fans have turned on you you're screwed you know it it doesn't matter what you do unless you go away for a long time what you do uh you know how you say it what what you say what it's not gonna change once the fans have turned on you they have turned on you and so it just feels more and more desperate every week i don't think i'm alone in thinking that either and and so this was just a waste of 20 minutes for me because it didn't it didn't provide any impact and like you said if he had just focused on sammy guevara at least we could be sitting here talking about oh but i wonder what cody rose is doing about his contract and i wonder about this this, and that i don't care about any of that at this point he just kind of laid all his cards out on the table and they all look stupid to me you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah no i i totally get it and I just like, cause to me, like, I, like, I've noticed, like, so the, the thing that really stood out to me a couple weeks ago when he had challenged Sammy to the, the championship match to begin with, um, he made that little, that slide where he walked, first of all, he walked in front of the, uh, in front of Sammy and Tony on the stage. I don't know if you remember. 
if mm-hmm. he, he acted like he was going towards the heel exit entrance whatever but then turn around and went right back to the baby baby face one it that was two things because one you like you never walk in front of like the people that you're on camera with because it's like first it's like disrespectful and like it's you mess up the shine like all that stuff and then like you he was going obviously towards the the bad guy direction right so like he just does these little things to where like i just feel i i don't know like i just feel like this is maybe i'm i'm wrong but i just feel like and i don't think this was his his goal like from the beginning of aew but i feel like with all the shows leading up to this like the more and more places that they were going to the more and more cities started booing him like it wasn't just like one pocket or one area it was pretty much everywhere they go now he gets the majority of boos now and i don't i don't know like i think that and maybe there's just not a, a strong female or family presence crowd-wise there. But, like, at least with, like, Roman Reigns, like, you would still hear, like, it was kind of like the John Cena effect in a way. Yeah. Like, you would hear the majority, like, the second the music, his, like, entrance music would play, you would hear that roar of, like, predominantly men booing him, right? And then, like, then you would start to hear, like, the females and, like, the kids chime in because it died down. But you don't really hear that for Cody, and that, and maybe that's just the lack of, like I said, of like a specific type of crowd or diverse crowd, and, and I don't mean diverse in any other type of way, but just like male, Gender, female, yeah. family-wise, yeah, yeah, just because obviously WWE is more family predominant, you know, like especially well, also, nowadays. Also, I but... think we can call it out that AEW does a really good job of alienate, alienating the, the female audience. <laughs> it's just a different vibe, yeah. It's just completely different in that respect. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, like I just feel like. I don't like part of me wonders if like if for instance like this version of Cody was in like WWE or they were in like that universe if the, like the women and like the kids would be cheering him at all or if it would just all be booze right now or or what that would be just because I, I don't know maybe that's like just weird but like I feel like that would kind of be more of a sign of like okay should he actually turn or is this just like a, a temporary thing people are just getting it out of their system and like maybe by summertime he'll be back to fan favorite Cody again. I don't know. And and I don't know if it's going to be like a specific few that, that amplifies it, but I just, I feel like he is aware. He's just, he, I feel like he doesn't want to be a heel still, but I feel like he knows he has to. So like he's good. He's starting to slowly play into it. I don't know. But again, I could be off. I hope you're right. Genuinely. I, um, I have a pessimistic view on this. If I think he's just going to keep doing this until, I mean, he's in his 30s now. I think he shouldn't keep doing this until, right, the fans, like, essentially get... Eventually, you boo something enough, then things aren't changing, whatever. Eventually, you just get disinterested, you know? You just start to lose yeah. interest in something. And, um, and like you said, without the audience... Like, without like without a counterbalance in the audience, like your John Cena's or, your you know, your families and, and women or whatever, like... I don't know. I'm like I. I think we we are the, we are the women in the female audience. I'm not cheering Cody Rhodes unless he's near me because I want his weight belt. But um, uh, and that other <laughs> TNT title they're not going to need. Uh, but I um, <laughs> just I, I'm, I'm never going to quit with that uh, until I get that weight belt. By the way, speaking of which, totally totally off track. Happy birthday to r Truth. I just want to point out the fact that my life is completed today on January twentieth because Ron Killings, aka r Truth, liked one of my tweets. That said, happy birthday! I know it just gets. I needed a win, Ashley. I needed a win, and I got a win. I got the win, in fact. Um, But so, yeah, obviously, I feel like I'm doing better than whatever Cody Rhodes is doing right now. Um, Shout out to you, getting our truth (laughs) like tweets. But um, 
But yeah, I just feel like it's eventually you just kind of get indifferent and there's nothing, there's nothing worse for a professional wrestler than an indifferent crowd. Like, cause how long is, is there going to be this passion to boo Cody Rhodes? Eventually you're going to give up, right? Cause he's not going to turn heel. Like the crowd's going to be like, all right, well, we just don't care. You know, at least that's how I, I feel like I would eventually feel, you know, the fan base could obviously be different than, than that. Um, but I, I feel like he knows and he is trying to get those cheers. Why else would he put himself in a feud against Stan Lambert? You know, and obviously that seemed to take a weird turn. Like that whole thing happened and then we just didn't go anywhere with it. Uh, I don't know if COVID got in the way of some stuff or the Sammy Guevara stuff, but it's like, we, we you know, we had that whole thing with Brandy and then, and then nothing and then nothing to follow up with that uh, besides the... No, nothing to follow up with that, right? There was no, there was no even Ethan Page or Scorpio Sky match with uh, Dustin Rhodes. Am I, am I wrong about that? I don't, mm, I don't think so. If there was, it was so irrelevant. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. The Dustin part, I'm, I don't know, because part of me, for whatever reason, wants to feel like there was a recent Dustin match, but now I'm like, is it just because I just saw him with Sammy? I was going to say it was a Sammy Guevara one. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think so, but. Dan Lambert will still, like, drop, like, a Cody reference in his promos since then. Um, but nothing, like, specific. Oh, I like, hate those, by the way. He'll reference, it's... yeah. He'll reference Cody. Like, he'll say Cody's name and, like, something crappy about him, but, like, and then keep it moving. But that's it, really. And, and I don't know if that's them thinking they're planting seeds or something. But, like, you don't pair yourself, right? He's 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 probably got a lot of pull backstage. You're not pairing yourself against Dan Lambert, the one person who is universally booed. Except when he gets paired in a feud with Cody Rhodes, by the way. But like, if you're if you're if you think you're a heel, and it's a perfect if you think you're a babyface, I mean, um, or if you think you're a heel, that you wouldn't pair yourself with Dan Lambert, and it's a perfect example of how the dynamics not going to work in this weird gray area. You think you're in, not you, Ashley, but Cody Rhodes thinks he's in, right? Like, uh, it doesn't make sense when you pair someone against Dan Lambert because it's weird. Like what I, as a crowd, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to cheer, cheer Dan Lambert? Cause I know I don't like him, but this other blonde guy that's coming out and arrogant and talking about this, this and that, or whatever. I know I don't like him either. So I'm just disinterested. I don't like the two people who are feuding. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. I totally get it. I totally get it. I but really I, hope you're right though. Yeah. I, I just want to like, maybe Cody. I'm just, I'm just way too, maybe I'm just too like optimistic on this one, but I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it at that. I think your optimism balances out my pessimism, but, um, it's Perfect. Cody Rhodes and, and, and Chris Jericho that you always reel me back in on. Maybe I just have a soft spot for them. And maybe that's why I'm just so like, I don't know, passionate for them in, in, in like a weird way. Like, I don't know. Like, I try to see, like, the – and I guess it's because, like, they've been around so long, right? So I'm like, they have to – they have to know. They have to understand. Like, because if I – if, like, we can see it, if a fan can see it, like, them as professionals, they have to know, right? So now it's just a matter of if they're going to acknowledge it and embrace it or if they're just going to be stubborn and just do what they want still. So that's why I feel like – and I, I promise I'll, I'll wrap it up here, but that's why I feel like he he's playing into this because – he himself doesn't want to be a bad guy. Like he has said multiple times too. like, he, he truly doesn't want to be a bad guy. He wants to be able to do his charity work and not have anyone question him and like all that stuff. Cause like his image is very important to him. And that's, you know, like a main thing, like a main like deterrent for him turning, I guess. But like, I feel like his wrestler brain and heart knows like 
he has to he has to do this, and it's not going to be forever. Like it, this thing could last a year, two years, just to get it out of everyone's system. Say that he did it, and then he can get his he can go back on his word for not being able to challenge for the world championship. Then and like there's just so much I can play off of it. So like I just feel like it's inevitable, you know. Like I I just feel like he may be dragging it out too because he probably doesn't want to, and you know I, I don't blame him because it probably does hurt him, you know, like. He's a very emotional guy, and if he's just, like, acting, then kudos to him. But, like, I feel like with Cody, like, you see and you feel the emotion, and I don't I don't think that's fake, you know? Like, I feel like this probably really does bother him. Like, he doesn't want to turn, and that's why, like, the stuff that he says is, is like, partly true, you know? Because like, he believes it. Like, he doesn't want to, but, like, I feel like in his heart he knows he has to. But So he will eventually, like, when the time is right. But, like, I don't, I don't think he wants to, and I think that's kind of why it's, like, dragging out. And I could be way off, but that's just my my like vision for it. No, I I really I like I said I really do hope you're right. I think because like, like this when he and I know it's this is what we said we could talk about this for a whole show, but when he when he goes like I am the Forbidden Door, and if we if without me we wouldn't have yeah. AEW, and I built this place from the like call me Babe Ruth. This is the house that Cody built. You know what I mean? Like it just feels so desperate, so desperate. It's like that. It's like the ex-boyfriend who's like, well, but don't you remember I bought you that car and I did this and that? <laughs> yeah. and like, you love me still, please. Like, it feels, and it makes you like, oh, you're even more, like, you're less attracted than you were to me before now all, and all that. It just, that's why I, I think he turns heel and people are going to, like, event very quickly in a couple months, people are going to be back to cheering him. Uh, I disagree with the fact that you can't do with him. I think you could do charity work and turn heel. I oh, think yeah, I agree. I think that's why he's getting booed so much because he is prioritizing all these other things, which power to him, by the way. I don't, you know, make your money, like, and, and do your thing and, and, and continue to, like, bleed into other areas of, of, of entertainment and all that other stuff. Because we all would. Like, oh, we, absolutely. We, we all a doubt. would if we had the opportunity, you know, like, and that's what tickles me with some people, but keep going. <laughs> I just want to say, like, Simon Cowell, though, like, let's throw it way back, American Idol played the heel on that show and did an yeah. incredible job at it and was super yeah. famous, right? So, like... Made dumb money off of it. Absolutely. So, you know what? Be a heel on AEW and be a heel on your Go Big Show. Be the Simon Cowell of the Go Big Show. In fact, make that your pro wrestling character. I don't care. You know? Like, run with it is my point. There's, like, you can get creative rather than just forcing this every week and being, like, the desperate ex-boyfriend knocking at the door over and over and over again. It's just, like... Ugh, it's, ugh, it's just, and this, and this was, this to me was just unfocused and non unnecessary segment. Um, so we love you, Cody. We do. Um, especially if you're near us with a weight belt on, uh, but we love you turn heel <laughs> or, or at least do something that makes sense. Like he, if he wants to do this tweener stuff, fine, but it's not good. Like this segment wasn't good. Sometimes it can be really good when he won the TNT title. I will say that that was really good. Like, that was a good match, and it was a good win, and I thought it was a really good direction. But when this is becomes directionless like this, it just doesn't – I don't know. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about let's talk about something I did really like, and that was the king – what is it? What's her name? The Kings of Black or the Black – Kings of the Black Throne? Kings of the, Kings of the Black House. For king – now you got me questioning. Now, now I don't know. Let's, <laughs> was, go, let's go with the – I was confident the, king – the kings of the throne how about that kings of the throne for now Brody king and malachi black um versus the varsity blondes uh the kings of black obviously this is a short match they got the win by pinfall when they did that cool like throw into a power slam move that that, that they do 
I I was upset about this because I didn't get to see Brian Pillman just you know get a freaking black mass to the head. But other than that, I was happy with this. Um, what do you think? What do you think about the uh, the, the the kings, the black king? What are, the kings of the black throne? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta, whatever gotta tread they are. carefully. The kings, yeah. So just call them the kings. <laughs> um, I I mean, obviously, like I really dig the act and everything. Like I, I dig them as a, a duo. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really seen them as as a, a tag team in the past. Like I know, obviously, they've apparently like teamed somewhere, but oh, I didn't know that. I'm, yeah, like I'm, I don't I don't even know like the promotion or anything. I just read somewhere that. Maybe it was like Ring of Honor. Or, I mean, I don't know. Like, I didn't even think it was when Ring of Honor. When in doubt, it's always Ring of Honor. That. Yeah, yeah. You just always default to them. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, like they had been a team somewhere prior to everyone going everywhere else. Um, but I just I dig them. They obviously like visually like mesh well, and like it's just it's a cool it's a cool act, you know. And I I think like the Varsity Blues. Blondes, blondes. I love that you called them the varsity blondes. Oh, I was just about to say, like, as I was saying blues, like, I was like, I never know which one it is. You know what? The varsity blondes are having the varsity blues lately, though. Because they, they, they're all their stuff is. I'm trying not to cuss. All their stuff is like baby blue, so like Mm -hmm. that throws me off too. So it's like a a mind mess. But what about the curse being that? Sorry, continue. No, just keep going. Just keep going. (laughs) Oh my gosh, but yeah. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm kind of i don't know I'm, I'm happy that they're moving on and the whole what happened after the the match itself but yeah i, I dig them as an act and i i hope that their entrance music is is like just theirs as like a tag team because uh malachi black's uh entrance theme was like really growing on me and and i just i dug it i think it kind of that like, screeching like kind of fit his entrance mm-hmm. um so i hope this is just like a tag team thing but yeah it's it's pretty cool yeah i had the same thought funny enough um and there's stuff going on with the varsity blondes, but you know, let's move on. Post match, uh, we had Pac, who who is blind now, but he's not blind anymore. Um, I I don't know if you want to give any any quick thoughts on on what the heck is going on with Pac. I mean, he's just amazing with what he does. Promo wise, yeah, he can get anything um, over. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm I'm intrigued, but like, I, you know, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing how this one plays out. Um, I I was upset. Because I thought we were going to see Pac start wrestling blind, and I think that would have just been incredible. Maybe like you have to Noble. like approach that, that slowly, but like I thought we were going to see him wrestle with like the thing over his eyes, and you know he'd realistically in real life obviously be able to see through it, but he would just be able to like sense people. Yeah, I mean Jamie Noble did it back in the day, like when he oh was yeah with yeah that's <laughs> so so Jamie Noble can do it. You know, no disrespect because I hear Jamie Noble's great, but you know. Pack is pack, so I feel like he should be able to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that. And what was it, Nia or Mia or somebody, uh, his, like, girlfriend? His girlfriend, Nidia. She was blind. Was she the blind one? She, so he had a match that he had a wrestling where he was blind, I think. And then she, oh, maybe it was her. Maybe it was her. She was actually blind, wasn't she? I know I remember seeing him blindfolded at one point. It was very distasteful. The whole, yeah, yeah, but it was, she definitely, hers was a long, I don't, this is not even important, but she, her story had played out longer than she was blind, and I think she was playing, oh, I don't know. It was, it was long-term know. storytelling, his was just blind it, it, for, like, exactly. a match. Okay, got it, I just, but it was, the payoff was amazing. Um, it was. <laughs> all right, we had, uh, what do we have next? We had Jake the Snake Roberts talking with Lance Archer and Dan Lambert about, you know, Adam Page, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, we had uh, Rocky Romero, and, um and trent 
Trent, I always want to say Trent, Breda, um, obviously cutting a promo. This whole thing with Brandon Cutler, I, I, with the camera thing, it's it's too much. Just, like, either have the camera or don't. Like, I don't care with this whole invisible camera thing. They're, they're doing too much. Um, but, well, obviously talking about, and we had the whole, um, I actually don't know if we had this at this point or not, but they put the, the uh, I think it was earlier on in the show, but they put all the... Um, clips of all the old matches in Japan and stuff like that for the uh, tag team championship matches between the Bucks and Rocky Romero and, um, and Trent Beretta. Yeah. Real quick. First of all, Trent Beretta. Am I, am I wrong? And that man looks like he could win the AEW world championship. He's a monster. Like he, where did that come from? Yeah. He looks, I I think it's the hair. Like I think it's the hair too, Ashley. I think it's completely different. And the eight pack. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's just skin on abs. Like, it's just insane. Insane. So, yeah, like, whatever he's been doing, like, he's doing a great job at it. But, dude, is like a completely different Trent question mark. Because he still has the question mark there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I thought I thought that having them having that footage there was really cool as well. Um, but give me more Trent Beretta on my screen. I'm so, I'm excited to see, hopefully, how old is he? That's my gimmick. I'm supposed to know that. Um yeah, you're supposed to have the. I know, the right? And and I miss Sue. I'm still thinking. Did who? It was the young bucks who like were threatening to end Sue's career. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Uh, all right. How and Trent is 34. Oh, you're quicker than me. I couldn't spell Beretta. Um. <laughs> all right. Next up, we had Frankie Kazarian versus Lance Archer. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. Uh, I had to watch this some of it in the morning. I wake up at five o'clock to get to work on time. I had mm-hmm. no time for this. If you guys know me, you know how I feel about Lance Archer. He's lost all credibility to me. I like the beard, but I just, I don't understand. He lost in a tournament to win, to face for the world title. Why is he the next challenger? Doesn't make any, he's not even in the rankings, That's like you point. said. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry to ruin this for you. It was good to see Frankie Kazarian, though, and I thought this was going to be a squash match, and it wasn't. And it was from the things that I did see from it, like, actually focused on. it. it this action was okay. I just don't know what it is about Lance Archer. I, the, I'm so uninterested. And once that, once that switch turns off, like the Matt Hardy switch, we can call it, it turns off. And I'm out. You, you, it, I don't know if you can pull me back in. So um, I'll throw it over to you, though, because you probably watched this more than I did. No, I actually didn't see this match at all. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So, you... so, yeah, I don't know what happened with my reporting because, like I said, like, I started it, like, 35 minutes late. So, my recording, like, it just, like, skipped, like, a whole, like, 15 or so-ish minutes. So, that was that entire match and then, like, whatever portion happened right after that. Right? Oh. I saw the main event, though. So, your DVR didn't want to watch this Lance Archer match as much as I did. <laughs> you I could even <laughs> say that your DVR had a blackout. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It did. Um, all right, post-match. Well, post-match, Dan Lambert was talking or interviewed by uh, Tony Schiavone, and he starts talking, and then Lance Archer grabs the microphone, and no one interrupted technically. Uh, Lance Archer goes to put Frankie... I don't know what he said. I, I didn't. I couldn't care less. Well, um, he... It has no credibility. He goes to put Lance Archer on a table... Uh, like, on... He puts... It was weird. It was clearly contrived and very set up. But he puts the chair outside on the stage. I don't know why he couldn't do this in the ring. Brings Frankie Gazarian out. He's going to choke slam him on the chair. What do you know? The music hits. Huge pop. Huge... Like, the crowd goes wild, which is great, right? Um... And uh, and the cowboy, you know what, chance. But uh, they go face to face. Hangman Page, by the way, looks probably mm, like Chef's kiss. Like he just looks incredible. 
Uh, long story go away, Hangman Page ends up getting the um, the upper hand in the little quick brawl that they they did have, and Dan Lambert is um, shooing shooing uh, what's his name uh, Lance Archer away. I do like commentary mention this when they say something about uh, how the real money isn't in the heel fighting right now. That always makes like it more realistic to me. Like, because if I was that angry, I'd want to fight too. But like having a manager be like, yeah. "No, this is not where you're making your money. Like, you're gonna make your money when you actually fight on the pay per view, wherever it is." I love that. That's true. Yeah, it so, makes sense. So you didn't miss the only thing you missed was a, a, a Hangman Page looking looking great as always and 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 hitting um, Lance Archer in the face with his boot. Uh, and then a Dante Mar. I was gonna ask you your thoughts, but you didn't see it, so <clears> I guess we're all right with that. Um, it sucks. This is the world title feud, and I really couldn't care less. That's what Lance Archer does to me. Yeah, that's why. Like, and I hate to say it because I, I just I'm not trying to be that person, but like I just it doesn't feel like uh and even like regardless of like location and, and my bias to the side, like it just doesn't feel like a, a pay per view main event. And, like I hate to say that because I was a fan of Lance Archer, and I still am a fan of Lance Archer, but I just feel like he needs more time to to build back up. To be like un, like an unstoppable unstoppable monster type, you know, and then I give him like a six month run or something like that where he's just like going through people or having like a solid feud and just looking dominant, and then maybe we could talk about like a, a world title match. But yeah, even yeah, the TNT I, just, title. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I I don't dislike him. I'm just not into it right now, and that I don't know. It's just not clicking for me for some reason. No, I'm I'm 100% with you, and, and, and I don't think this is going out to Revolution. I give them maybe, you know, in a week or two, and then I think I really think we're going to get Adam Cole at Revolution and just, like, let's get to that. My yes. thing is, is, like, I don't know. I just, the, the argument would be, not to stay on this too long, but the argument would be, oh, you need, like, an interim challenger until we get to the Adam Cole or whoever's going to be at Revolution. Not, I disagree with that. Like I said, AEW's got a roster. Like, we could do it right now. Ashley, pick a number. One through, uh, one through, what did I say? 23? Go, one through 23. Um, yeah, pick a number one through 23. We'll do seven. Seven, okay. Uh, and then one through four. One. CM Punk. <laughs> Look at that, bro. That Very could be what you're going to right now. Look at that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there are so many yeah. people that you could pick from. So, so I don't know. I, I just, I, I disagree with the fact that you need an interim challenger. I think you could do something. You, I don't know. You could have a quick feud with, like, a not a Dante Martin, but just Dante Martin of the like. Or, yeah. I don't know. You just have Hangman Page wrestle him. Like a Jay Lethal. Oh, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. But maybe, maybe like, no. uh, like you just have him wrestle Daniel Garcia or somebody. Like, give a young up and starter like a fun non-title match. You know what I mean? Rather than forcing us to like, I don't. We is there anybody out there who thinks that? I think Michael Nakazawa has a better chance of winning the match against Hangman Page for the title than Lance Archer. Um, <laughs> and that's saying something. Uh, yeah. All right, let's get to my favorite part of the. Uh, the night, well, and we, there's a few more things. Will Hobbs, actually. Will Hobbs and uh, Ricky Starks cutting a promo after Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, and Matt Seidel are being interviewed backstage. All I'm going to say about that is they weren't interrupted, and it was wonderful. Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs cutting a promo, and Will Hobbs counting to five. Did you get to see this part? 
No. Uh, it was great. It just, if you, I don't know. If you saw it, you get it. You was just like, Will, Ricky Stark is talking about, like, how many people are watching Dante Martin's back. And he was, and Will Hobbs just starts counting to five silently next to him. And I, it popped me. I don't know why. Um, Will Hobbs, if you watch his facial expressions, too, he's going to be, he's going to be something huge as well. Uh, well, we'll skim oh, yeah. through all of this. Um, so we had those two promos back to back. I like that instead of a, a an, an interruption. That was nice. And then we had, um, Chris Atlander and Red Velvet backstage. Our one interruption for the night was Layla Hirsch coming up and kind of, you know, if you've been seeing what's going on, you could have figured what happened here. Layla Hirsch finally snaps. The right hand, the forearm that she threw to Red Velvet in the back of the head, like she made Kieran Cross look like a little you-know-what uh, with his, that was like his finisher, and I never saw him hit a satisfying one. She nailed her in the back of the head. Uh, and then obviously brawled with Chris Statlander as well. So that that match, obviously, we're getting that uh, next week on Beach Break, Red Velvet and um, Layla Hirsch. And I appreciate the effort that they're putting into the women's division. Anything anything to say on those three ladies? Um, no, only because I didn't see that segment either. Um, I think I may have cut it right right before this, um, but. I agree with you. The amount of time that I feel like the ladies got on last night's show, like it was a, it was an improvement. So they they do have to get credit there. But I did going back and then like seeing the show in like totality is like the there were like a decent amount of women segments though for real. I know this. You technically, if you want to include the mixed tag team match, I think this is the first ever Dynamite with more than one women's. It was like one and a half women's matches. That's not bad. We're making improvements. It's it's actually really terrible. It feels like I have to like you know what I mean. I don't know. It's we're not even gonna go there. But but speaking of the women's match, this was so this was so great. Did you get to see Serena Deeb? I did. I did see this match. Okay, yeah, I was so gonna, this Sky Blue was there too. Yeah. By the way, my bad. I apologize. But yes, um, squash match between Serena Deeb and Sky Blue. Sky Blue got little to no offense, but she sold she she sold a lot of the moves very well. So she definitely still had a good showing for me here. Uh, Serena Deeb is incredible. That move, she had a neck breaker off the ropes that looked really good. And then the way she just sla- like slams the knee into the mat and then hits the serenity lock and like locks that in. It looks, it looks terrifying. Serena Deeb looks like, like she could be, she could play like a sniper in like an assassin movie. She just terrifies me in the greatest way totally. possible. So uh, any, it just, it just, uh, you, you have all heard me talk about how much I love Serena Deeb a thousand times. So I'll throw it over to you, Ashley, and then we'll, we'll keep going down the card. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with you a hundred percent there. She's my behind Dr. Britt Baker. She's probably my, my number two fave. Well, I mean, Thunder Rose is kind of up there, but I think Serena Deeb's got to be number two for me. Um, and then maybe Thunder Rose is number three. Um, but she's just amazing. And I feel like this is like the, my opinion maybe like the best she's like career-wise she's ever been just like character like the total package i feel like in in this respect but she's just like on a on a different level and i just i don't know like there's just something about this version of her that the the professor persona like it's just like i just like she's just on a different planet right now like compared to it's just so fun to think too like not where she started necessarily but like our first memories of her back with like the street edge society and, and all that stuff. And, and to see her now, like I can't wait until they just have like some type of like brief interaction with her and punk. If they're just like walking by each other backstage or I can't believe they haven't done something. it yet. 
I know. We just we we gotta get something. So at least I hope we do. But yeah, like I I'm a huge fan of hers and and Sky Blue. Like I'm surprised they haven't signed her yet. That's kind of surprising. Oh, they have. Maybe it's because she's still young. Oh, they did. No, I'm. I you you're right now. Well, it's a good thing we have this roster oh, page yeah. up. Let's look. Um, no, you as you talk about. No, you're right. I don't see her actually. Funny enough, you know what? I I have a feeling. Oh, I didn't know they signed Yuka Sakazaki. Wow. And we need more Yuka Sakazaki is what we need in AEW. But um I couldn't agree with you more with this the the I I really want to see some some kind of interaction. My dream booking, you know my dream match is uh Charlotte Flair and, and Britt Baker. My second dream yes. thing to be able to see in professional wrestling is uh, Serena Deeb and CM Punk. I want CM Punk to turn heel again, put him back together. Do straight A society two point I don't need Luke Gallows necessarily in it, but like is she and if she wants to no. shave her head again, go wild. But like, give me heel CM Punk and let me get like a real version of the Straight Edge Society. We never got to flesh that out, and it's like one of my biggest, uh, one of my business biggest like mi- miss miss out. So I don't know what word to use for that, but like, um, I really it's just like we, there it could have been so much more. Um, yeah. So I'm with you on that. And yes, Serena Deeb, always incredible. I give her, I want her to have like professor segments. Like, you know how Taz has like the Taz thing that he does with like talking about how where hooks, the hooks like hips pop. And that's why you can do this move like that and whatever. What is it called? You know what I'm talking oh, about? The ta- yeah, yeah. I, know what you- I don't know. Like give like Serena know, Deeb like it- this like Serena school of wrestling or something. And yeah, just like have her just idea. cut a promo about how incredible she is. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, more Serena Deeb on our TV, absolutely. Uh, all right, Ego. Uh, I was about to call him Ego Page, Ethan Page, and John Moxley. Or talking about John Moxley, we talked about this already. That should be good. Rampage is going to be live in Cincinnati next week. Are you going to that show, Ashley? Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so obviously we got that match made, and I'll ask you about the shows for next week as well when we get to the end of the show. But we had the Hardy Family office uh, and. Um, uh, the Hardy family office and Andrade being interviewed backstage. The only thing I got out of this was Andrade, and I had a friend text me too about this. Andrade calling uh, Darby Allen uh, Sting's son or something like that, yeah, or the boy who works the for Sting. <laughs> so wonderful! Yeah. It's it still doesn't beat uh, Darby Allen's emo daddy. Oh, I know. That was one of I my know. favorite lines. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> that but, cracked me up. <laughs> but so oh, I'll say that. Andrade, like, not understanding what, like, American emo whatever thing this is, is hilarious to me. <laughs> so at least they had that. But anything Matt Hardy said, yes. I didn't listen to. Um, the switch is off, guys. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> and then we got our main event, Darby Allen and Sting versus The Acclaimed. Before we get into the match, did you see the uh, the... Uh, music video on Rampage? The goth face. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I loved it. Like, I don't know. I I guess so. I'm, uh, I guess, like, being a, a fan of the acclaimed, and I just, I have, like, a weird, like, soft spot for, like, dumb humor. So it's just, like, it. I just loved it. I loved the whole, I don't know, just everything about it and how, like, Max was still himself, but you had Bowen, this big, beefy guy dressing up as Darby Allen, which is like the mm-hmm. small, you know, like under, you know, under, like I, he just looking at Darby, like he's compared to like your, I think he's probably even smaller than Adam Cole, you know? So it's like, he's a smaller guy. So just the comparison there was just perfect. And then that staying character that they have was just like, it's so well done. Like, 
I don't know if I'm in the minority or the majority here. I don't really know how people responded to it, but I just, for whatever reason, I really enjoyed it. It was well done, too. I thought it was incredible. I thought the wrapping, the actual wrapping of it wasn't bad either. I, I, I thought this was wonderful. Um, or the, the, uh, I was going to say the music video was hilarious. I thought it was, um, don't get me wrong. The match was entertaining, but, uh, it was long and I'll say that for sure. I'm surprised it, it felt, it wasn't even long. It just felt long with all the stuff they had going on in the show. It felt like some of these matches were still, still had more than enough time. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was hilarious. And I thought, uh, I think ever since Max Caster has been back after suspension, like he's still, like his rap coming to the ring this time was good too, uh, making the the reference obviously to the um, like what is it called mutilation or whatever WWE thought that women's match was. Uh, I thought that was a good good line, and and the rap was he he's still he's definitely toned it down. You can tell, but he's still um he's still funny. Max Kessler is a funny guy, so I thought that was hilarious too. I forgot I didn't even think about the fact that Anthony Bones was the one who was playing Darby Allen when Max Kessler is like half his size. It's funny. Um, but this match was good. Uh, I, I thought so for the most part. And it really, it was just a beat down. They did that terrible looking spot with a chair on the neck in the, uh, to the steel post, uh, to Darby oh, Allen. And this yeah. was like a beat down on Sting. And then Sting wrestled a whole main event on AEW essentially by himself. So there's that that's happening somehow. There was a splash to Anthony Bowens. It wasn't Anthony or no, to Max Caster once. We got Darby Allen coming back, obviously, and then there was a splash. I just want to get to the splash part, Ashley. The 63-something-year-old <laughs> man jumped off the stage, threw a table onto Max Caster's head. Max Caster's body wasn't even there to break the fall. He just jumped off a stage, threw a table, essentially. How does yes. Sting at 63 have more athleticism and durability than I do at 23? It's, I don't even know. It's like... I, it's it's almost like you you don't have words for it because like this guy is inhuman like it's it's in, it's insane like I think of like <laughs> certain family members that I have you know certain aunts you know like not to call anyone out but like it's just like if you think about people in your everyday life and then you think about him and like they're like the same age or like and it's just insane like you just I can't even picture it like like you said like I can't I probably can't do a quarter of the stuff that he's doing at, at my age, I'm 30, you know, and like, he's just, it's, it's unreal, dude. And for the amount of time and the injuries that he has gone through and recovered from, especially recently, like, it's just insane. And and to think that, not to go off on a rant, because I'm not, but to think that like WWE didn't even want to give him the opportunity to like, really like have a match with the Undertaker. And like, I don't know if it, it really was Taker who didn't want the match, but it's like, man, like, I don't know, just to just to say you had it and just to I don't know. It probably wouldn't have been the best, but like seeing what he can do now, like it probably would have been something, you know? He must be taking that DDP yoga class is what's going on, I think. Um Yeah. But yes, yeah, so this is I mean, there's not much to talk about here and I know we've gone we've gone this is one of our longest shows. Somehow, some way just talking about that. This is what happens when you don't come on the show for a couple of weeks <laughs> or a couple of months. Um yeah. But the end of this match was Darby Allen um, hitting the coffin drop after Sting. I think there was a Stinger splash. Something happened. I don't know. I, Sting jumped off the stage and went through a table, guys. I, I, I kind of lost it at Sting that. did amazing things. Sting somehow did things that, you know, people my age can't seem to imagine even doing. So uh, the one thing I will say is, um, this might be a really small detail, but they had Darby Allen doing the guillotine choke, right? 
And I don't know why it, uh, first of all, I'd love if he gets like a submission is repertoire, repertoire like that. I think that would be really cool, especially with the, the contrast of like Roman Reigns, who does the guillotine choke as well. And then like yeah. Darby Allen, who looks like the size of Roman Reigns, like left pinky. Um, I just think I, li- I liked for some reason that that stood out to me for some, even though Roman Reigns is not an AEW, but I just thought about the next, uh, opponent for maybe John Moxley. Well, maybe not because they're both baby faces, maybe further down the line. But I just was thinking about, for some reason, I made me think about the bulldog choke. And then I was thinking about John Moxley versus Darby Allen. And I got excited. Um, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but that's where my train of thought went as I was watching this match. And then Sting jumped through a table. So I, I lost all trains of thought. Um, I'm glad this is over. This was cute enough. Nice payoff. I, I think um, the uh, the making fun of the whole goth thing is so like funny and fine to do because Darby Allen and Sting are so over. Otherwise, I think you you could kill this gimmick and like why is you know I don't Darby Allen's not for me, but people are like really behind him, and I think that's why you can do these funny music videos and stuff. And like you know, power to um, Sting and Darby Allen for obviously probably giving permission to the acclaimed to be like, yeah, make fun of us, please. You know what I mean? Paint oh, your face yeah. and have a guy who looks like the guy from Kiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah staying staying exactly so so overall i thought this was a, a really positive i mean for except for a couple things that it seems like for the most part though besides cody Rhodes, it seems like we agreed that most of the stuff is pretty positive um yeah. so a good you know 45 minutes of the show was that but other than that the other an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes was i thought was pretty great uh and next week obviously beach break i know they announced stuff for rampage but it's we've been i don't have time for that uh, who do you think we got beach break, uh, ladder match, TNT championship match. Who do you think's, um, going to win the, the double belts? Uh, I'm going Cody. I don't know why I drew a blank there. I'm definitely going Cody on, on this one. Yeah, I am too. When, when do you think we officially hear that he signs a new contract? Any idea? Oh, I think they dragged this out. I think they drag this out or maybe, maybe he, <laughs> part of me wants him to, if, if he were to, Go f- or maybe in his mind he would be babyface, so he would still do it. But part of me wants to see him go up there, get both titles, come back down, and then Brandy brings out his contract to him, and he signs the contract on the titles in the main event. Actually, that's the greatest booking I've heard all week. <laughs> uh, I would just, I would, I would do it. Like, cause in his mind, it's it's him showing his love for AEW. He just won the title. It's not a secondary title. And mm-hmm. now he's reaffirming his love by signing another commitment. You know, like, what would be better? And have him walk around Cody-verse. with both belts. Yeah. Oh, well, you have to, you know, like, oh, you, so you have to at that point. Uh, all right. Adam Cole versus, I'm with you, by the way, uh, Cody Rhodes, and I and I love that booking. Uh, Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy, lights out match. Do you think this main events? Uh, yeah, I think it does because I think with their unsanctioned thing, I think that's like how they they do these. The way they um, turn the lights on and off, and then yeah. what if what if they did yeah. that? And Malachi Black was just suddenly in the ring, and he was like, "Wait, how the hell did I get here?" Right, <laughs> right. It just what happens when the lights go on and off. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm my money is on Cole. I think this is gonna be I think this is gonna be a solid match, and and I gave a crap maybe a little bit earlier, but like I think Cassidy is really gonna show out here. And I shifted then, your I'm, perspective a little bit, huh? You did, you did. <laughs> it was it was you, it was you. You you've changed my heart a little bit, but yeah, no, I, my money's on Cole. 
I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm with you as well. I hate to, to, to agree and agree and agree, but um, all right, Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Real, the real question, yes, is who's going to win, Ashley? But more importantly, can Chris Jericho and the rest of the inner circle, Santana and Ortiz, coexist? And and what is Jake Hager going to play in all of this? Yes, you wrote that that famous line down from earlier. Yes, can they coexist? Um, I say no. I think this is it. I think this is going to be the breakup. Um, I don't, I think, I don't know if it's going to be a matter of 2.0 cheating to win or something backfiring or whatever, but I think this is going to be the beginning or maybe even Eddie coming out and then, I don't know. I just, I don't see them winning, but I, I see this being their blow off, um, or maybe blow up. And then I don't, cause I don't see them like actually feuding against each other. Um, Jericho and, and Santana and Ortiz for that matter. Um, or maybe we could get Jericho and Hager versus them too, but I don't know. I, I hope I kind of hope we don't get that, but I don't really think Hager's going to play much of a role at all. I don't even really predict him even being there, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is just going to be focused on Jericho and and Inner Circle as a whole, kind of breaking up and and for their part of it, and then the focus being on Jericho and Kingston going forward. Imagine if they break up because of 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, but not because of that match with the Pinnacle. Sorry, it's right. just ridiculous. Right, right, just right. ridiculous. That's so, That's so true. <laughs> the most wasted feud of, of 2021. All right, uh, Red so Velvet true. versus Layla Hirsch. We talked a little bit about this, but um, I'm blown away that Layla Hirsch is the little... They turned the, they took the little one, and they turned her heel. Yeah. Funny. Well, I mean, I, I, she could take some notes from Daniel uh, Brian Danielson and, and, you know, and kick some butt, but uh, who do you think's to win this? I think it's pretty obvious, but... Yeah, I'm going Layla Hirsch. Could you imagine just like they just just start this heel turn? Oh, I'm sorry, the Layla Hurst, you suck. Red Velvet needs this win, obviously, because of of just the upward trajectory she's on right now. Right, of course, it's obvious. So funny on the cover of Beach Break Two. I'll give you one guess of the two people that are that uh, uh, that doesn't make sense. You get two guesses technically of who are the two people on the uh, cover of the Beach Break banner thing that I'm looking at. Uh, I'm going Cody and next, uh, since it's nothing advertised, I'm going Cody and Sammy. Close. Cody and Chris Jericho. Ah, oh, Jericho, <laughs> dang. I thought I was going to go Jericho and Mo- or uh, Cody and Mox, but I was like, I don't think they advertised a match for Mox yet, so he wouldn't be on there, so Jericho makes total sense. Dang. There it, is. It, it, just, it was actually just Cody Rhodes and Brian Pillman Jr., um, well, I was going to say Cody and Brandy, too. That crossed my mind, but I was like, I don't want to be that. That would have been a good so. guess, too. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you off with one last question for you, Ashley, because we've just had, I feel like since you've last been on the show, a lot of new people have been signed, all that stuff. What's one match, one match, one combination you're looking forward to uh, hopefully happening in 2022, if it's not already planned to happen already, but just something you're looking forward to happening this year in, in AEW? Ooh. Not to put you on the spot, but I just put you on the spot. You did. Ugh. Christopher Daniels is still on the um, men's role. Oh, yes, of course he is. They just broke up the tag team. He didn't retire yet. Yeah. Okay, sorry. My bad. Um, Man, I I think, and I hate to go, like, maybe, like, an obvious route, but, like, besides, like, MJF and Punk, because I feel like their match is going to be good, and I feel like that's going to be a, a big deal for MJF. Um, which I won't get into now, but I I really want to see Punk and, and Brian Danielson. Like I feel like 
I just feel like there would be a lot there and with this side of, of Brian that we've gotten like promo wise on and like on the mic and stuff and it'd be even more fascinating if like Punk was an actual heel at that point or or but kind of regardless of the roles like because Brian has, in my opinion has been pretty pretty solid as a heel and especially if he continues because he can just continue to like embrace it and kind of grow but I just for whatever reason like I just I kind of hope we get that um I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why, but like that's just. And I think uh, maybe, of course, obviously, like a, a punk and Omega, too, would be right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, that my my first choice, I think, would be like a Danielson and, and Punk. Those are you're so much like. My, I I just my answers are so like. Uh, first of all, I have I I kind of want to see uh, John Moxley versus Hook. Oh, I yeah. don't know why, but I just I think that would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, I know there it's coming. It's coming sooner. The more realistic one is uh, I'm ready to see Mercedes Martinez. So give me Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa. Yeah, that's gonna be solid. That's gonna be such a good match. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm so excited to see what Mercedes Martinez fun because a lot of these women have a lot of this stuff down. We talk about this I feel like every week or at least I do. It's the fundamentals that a lot of them are lacking. You know, uh, not your Nyla Roses are pretty much even your Penelope Fords have got a lot down. Chris Statlander's that's why I think Chris Statlander stands out so much because she's just so fundamentally sound. Uh, and Serena sure. Deeb obviously like defines fundamentals, but um, I can't wait to see what Mercedes Martinez brings to that women's roster and helps helps obviously all these younger ladies learn. Uh, and maybe they'll sign Sky Blue. Who knows? All right, Ashley. Thank you. As always, thanks. Last minute, too. Quick shout out to that. Like, last minute to pop on the show and then, like, talk to me for three hours about just a regular dynamite. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. We'll have to catch back up soon. You want to uh, plug plug the uh, plug the podcast once again and, uh, and the, oh, where they can sure. find you on social media. Yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter at A-S-H-M-A-N-N-S. Um, and feel free to check out the pod, um, Covers Wrestling. Um, like I said earlier, predominantly AEW lately. Um, but yeah, the podcast is the Kick-Ash Podcast. Um, and you can fo- follow me on Twitter pretty much, though, um, at A-S-H-M-A-N-N-S. Like I said, that's probably the easiest thing for real. Yes, and then don't bring your kids to the podcast because it is explicit, obviously. Kick-ash. It is explicit, yes. I, yeah, I've, I, I just, I don't have time for editing or censoring myself, so I just, just go. Listen, I don't make the rules over here. This is we, we're still under Matt's reign here. I understand. Here. Um, I understand. And, uh, and you can follow me at Mimi Burris if you want to. Uh, I'm pretty controversial on there, honestly. So. Oh yes. <laughs> It's a hot follow. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what it is. It is a hot. I'm gonna say that every week now. It's a hot follow, guys. <laughs> At Mimi Burris on Twitter. If you can't spell it, don't follow me. Just kidding. I'm right. totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's M I M I B U R I S. I don't want to alienate anybody. You got to be so careful what you say nowadays. All right. With all that, I'm gonna hop off before I say something where it gets me in trouble with my hundred followers on Twitter. Um, Ashley, thank you again. It's always, always, always awesome to have you and, uh, definitely breathe some new life into, into, into the show this week. So I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. We'll have to link up soon. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.